Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's, uh, it's taco. It's National Taco Day. Not only is it Taco Tuesday today, National Taco Day. And boy, are we going to celebrate here on the Bobby Curran Show. <laughs> How's it? Chris Hart, Gary Dickman with you. And uh, we got uh, UH Volleyball tickets to give away. They're facing Irvine on Friday. Uh, we'll give away more uh, Dixie Grill gift certificates. And uh, just, a, just a way to bribe you to keep listening to the show. <laughs> Never thanks. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, our top headlines today, uh, Forty looks like Jimmy G is back, or is it just a great 49ers defense? Maybe a little of both, but the 49ers are looking hot. I would also throw in Debo Samuel, that unbelievable touchdown. Yeah. But, yeah, Jimmy G had a much better game than he did against Denver the Sunday night or the week before. I'm glad for him. And what a dominant win, really, for San Fran. Right. We've still got unsettled business in the Major League Baseball race to the playoffs. Unfortunately, though, we have a little settled business, and that is Milwaukee and Colton Wong being eliminated last night. Philadelphia clinched that wild card. Still a little jockeying for position uh, in both leagues, though, for who will be seated where. So that means the Philadelphia Phillies are in. Uh, Brewers are out. So really, I mean, one of the uh, one of the interesting races is the um, well, I call it a race, but it's it's really comes down to the Mets and the um, oh my gosh Braves. The Braves, thank you. The Mets well, and the Braves, because we've got two games left. I think the Mets have three games left, and they uh, are trail the Braves by one and a half. So every game is a must-win game for the New York Mets. That and the Braves, if the Braves win one today, that's it. So the magic number is one. Best the Mets could do is really tie them. Uh, so it's going to take a lot. And the Phillies and Padres are jockeying for that fifth or sixth seed in the first round. So if it is the Phillies that you know surpass San Diego, then they would be they would uh, actually get the Mets in the next in the first round of the wild card. So a little jockeying for position there as well. All right, uh, University of Hawaii is uh, taking on San Diego State. Saturday, this is a 12 noon or 2 p.m. start? 4.30 start, 4.30 start p.m. Gotcha. I had it wrong. Sorry 4.30 p.m. Not even close. <laughs> I'm not even Me close. Either. Is it a noon or a 2 o'clock? Well, 4.30. All right, 4.30 start. You want to join the boys down at uh, Big City Diner in YPO if you want to catch the game. And uh, Hawaii has been lost by uh, an average of 32.5 points on the road. Now, you know, one road game was against Michigan and the other a team that played like Michigan in New Mexico <laughs> State. But um, San Diego State, you know, I don't know that we have a we – don't, we don't have – when the season's done, we're not – I'm trying to put this nicely. When the season's done, we're not going to look back at our quarterback play and go, oh, that was some of the best quarterback play we've seen. 
That ranks up there with Michael Carter playing with broken ribs. It more ranks along the lines of Sean Schroeder or somebody like that. Um, Braden Shager, at least right now, Braden Shager looks like from the last game he's headed in the right direction, right? Well, yes. if, any, if anybody had it worse than Hawaii as far as the quarterback position goes, it's got to be San Diego State. In fact, San Diego State, this is, it's bizarre how bad their quarterback situation is, and it probably there's probably no one else like this out of 130-something teams that play in the FBS. So first of all, Boise State and San Diego State, they'll go at it last week. San Diego State's leading 13 to nothing. Remember we said Boise State's down, all these people are down. Maybe Brian Harson's going to get fired at Auburn and go back to Boise State. Who knows? Yes. So San Diego State has a 13 nothing lead. It's halftime. And then um, I guess by the, the time the game ended, Boise State ended up winning 35-13, to 13, 35 unanswered points. And the problem, I guess you could say, wasn't really on the defensive side of the ball. It was the offensive side of the ball. So their starting quarterback is, what's the guy Burmeister's first name? Braxton Burmeister. Okay. So Braxton Burmeister goes down with an apparent concussion. Backup quarterback during this game. So backup quarterback Kyle Crum comes into play. He attempted just one pass, and then he broke his collarbone, left the game. So now, <laughs> now you're on your third string quarterback. Um, well, the well, oh, third string quarterback's not there. The third-string quarterback was a guy named Will Haskell, but he entered the transfer portal. Transfer portal. So, uh, because he got mad, because like a lot of college athletes nowadays, his feelings got hurt because it got pulled from a game. So he transferred out. That's just how you do. And then uh, let's see. Then they got. Uh, let's see. So wait, Crum is out. He's got. I'm having trouble keeping track. Burmeister concussion. Crum broken collarbone. Haskell transfer portal so who does that leave it leaves a uh freshman quarterback named Liu Almava Almave 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 Liu Almave so he has to go in and finish the loss to Boise State at the start of the season he was the fourth string quarterback behind Burmeister concussion Haskell Broken collarbone. Haskell transfer portal. Transfer portal. And Crum. Crum was the third stringer. Yeah. So um, now I don't know what the situation is going to be against Hawaii. If Burmeister is going to clear concussion protocols or not. But we're looking at a guy. So this guy goes into the game as like, the, you know, a few days ago. Just He was the four string quarterback. So he got absolutely no reps. I don't know the situation, and I'm going to try and find an update sometime during the show today if Burmeister will be back. Because broken collarbone, you're out for a couple of weeks at least. Right? Yeah. And I don't know. It's 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 a situation that, man, there's a freshman that you don't even think is going to play this year, and that could be your starting quarterback coming up. Now, the good thing for San Diego State is they're at home, and Hawaii hasn't been so hot on the road. 
No, they've been pretty poor on the road. It's only been a couple of games, and the Michigan right. one, again, you can understand that. The Mexico State, you can understand that, uh, letting up especially the 35 points at halftime. Uh, you know, you don't want to wish any I, – I, at least for me, I don't like to see anybody get hurt, even if it's our opponent. I just would like to have them have a poor game uh, for that factor. But you look at their quarterback, Liu Amuave, he was 0 for 7 last week as well. Amuvai, Amuvai, Jimmy. Amuvai. he was 0 for 7. So he's still looking for his first completion. I would like to see him start and get one completion against Hawaii. I'd like him to get one completion to Hawaii is what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's even better, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like Duquesne was uh, able to do for us. Yeah, that's a tough situation. That's really tough. And, you know, they, they, they fire their offensive coordinator and quarterback coach just like Boise did the week before. I wonder if that's oh, going that's to be right. a trend in the Mountain West. Ryan Lindley, who's their all-time passing leader, is now their quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. Uh, very rare to see that at the beginning of a season, sort of the beginning of the season, but Ryan Lindley is there and it's happened a few times. We've seen college coaches fire. Now we're seeing offensive coordinators fired. So Lindley, the quarterback coach, officially uh, by Brady Hoke. How could you fire the offensive coordinator? The offensive coordinator, was he the one, unless he's the one's like, hey, you know what, sign this kid, he's really good. I mean, if you've, if the, if, if you've only got crap to work with, how is that the offensive coordinator's fault? Great point. The way I, I thought about that as well when I heard about the injury, but I think the whole season they've been struggling offensively. Not that it necessarily justifies it. Maybe somebody had to be the fall guy. And maybe, I, I, I hate to think this is true, but I wonder if the head coach thinks, I don't want to be the fall guy. If I get rid of somebody, maybe they'll leave me alone. Right. And I don't know if Brady Hoke is in that position. I would hope not. But you're right about that. It's just that I think the offense, again, has struggled this season. The Toledo game, the week or two before, which was their most recent win, they scored on a quarterback. I'm not sure if it's a quarterback sneak or draw with less than a minute left. They were fortunate to win that game. Their offense has not been the same, and I know they've had a great. They have had in the past a really good running attack. The rushing game has been good for them, but right now they just seem like to be a team. Maybe they're in a rebuild or reloading mode because it's not one of the top teams in our division, let alone the Mountain West, like we've seen in the past. Well, who is? I mean, who is a top team in the Mountain West Conference? UNLV and Air Force, I think. You know, it's crazy yeah. to think that way in a way. And Air Force is not a shocker, though they struggled against Navy winning 13-10. to 10. That surprised me on Saturday. Maybe UNLV, that's one of those Maybe that's one of those rivalry games where, you, you know what I mean, they play each other every year. So you can't really, you know, that one you take with a true. grain of salt. Right, right. And UNLV played San Jose this week. San Jose State is favored. Uh, San Jose State's been okay, and they gave San Auburn Jose, a tough game. Right. San Jose State's at home. I think that's the only yes. reason they're favored. They're favored by six or whatever, but uh, I think UNLV has shown something. I mean, even though they struggled against New Mexico early, they finished really strong. They were competitive against the Cal team on the road, and maybe Cal's not at the top of the Pac-12, but that was an impressive loss, and that's their only loss. Uh, UNLV looks much improved, and I don't think Fresno State – I mean, they lose to UConn. UConn on the road. Fresno State might be in the bottom ten in the next hour or two when it comes out. Uh, The teams that we're used to seeing near the top aren't, although Boise – is up there, I guess, but I don't think they're the same Boise team. I don't think there's any sense that they are one of the better teams in the Mountain West. Maybe they are, but not a dominant team like they have been in years past. Yeah. What's crazy is Nevada is supposed to be horrible. Now, they haven't had a super tough schedule. They're two wins and three losses. But Nevada is supposed to be horrible because all of their players left to go to Colorado State. Right. All of those players that went to Colorado State – don't mean a lick because Colorado State's still trying to win a game. 
And guess who plays each other this week? <laughs> Nevada and Colorado State, which, uh, I mean, and we'll have Colorado State, of course, in a couple of weeks as well. But, yeah, it's, right. been, re- it's been a very bizarre Mountain West season so far. It's hard to figure out. And I don't know if any one team is, is going to be able to pull away from the other. And I hope Jake Hayner does come back, maybe not against Hawaii. But uh, he's, one of the, he's the main reason why they have struggled as much as they have. You, as Fresno far as Fresno. State. Yeah, oh, yeah Fresno they got State. Boise this week. Right. The, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, New Mexico State has won a couple of games. I mean, okay, overall, there are only four teams with winning records in the Mountain West Conference. Boise, Air Force, UNLV, and San Diego State. Everybody else has had their losing season so far. And some of these teams, bad losses. Losses to Sacramento State is is the kinds of things we're talking about. You know, if Coach Timmy is is upset, you know, because, hey, we're one and four, it's a slow start. Hey, it could be worse. You could have stayed at Colorado State and been winless. Yes, that's one more. You would would have been winless and made a lot less money. That's true. And, you know, the last couple of years we've had too many bowl-eligible teams for the amount of bowls that the Mountain West was affiliated with. This year I wonder if they'll have enough. Yeah. Yeah, really. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know what? We're five games in. Some teams have played six, like Wyoming. But we're five five or six games in. Man, there's still a lot of football to play. There is, and it's all conference play now for the most part. I'm not sure. Uh, I guess there could be one non-conference game for a future. I know Air Force, I believe, will be playing Notre Dame coming up. I know somebody's playing. Actually, I think it's UNLV is playing Notre Dame later on this year, uh-huh. uh, which is an interesting schedule, but mostly it's just conference games for everybody. So we'll see how that plays out. But it's been a bizarre year. I, oh, I compare it a little bit to the NFL, which we'll get into later, where it's not the expected doing what we expect them to do, which to me kind of makes it fun in a way. You don't want it to be your team that's playing like that and having a tough season but the mountain west is hard to figure out it really is and part of it is injuries now you have transfers i mean jake hayner again preseason player of the year i'm pretty certain and again no fault of his own he just has that injury but boy is fresno state not even close to being the same and i'll point out again that uconn game uconn one of the top 10 worst teams or bottom 10 worst team in the country there's no doubt about that and they win at home i believe it was like 1914 that is pretty Pretty bad, and you mentioned a minute ago, Chris, how there have been some really bad losses. Many of them FCS. At least I guess Fresno State lost to an FBS school, but there have been some tough ones. And so, to me, I also look at it this way: where Hawaii has struggled, and they're 0 and 0 as far as this season starting in conference play. A lot of teams have struggled early on, but you have a chance to redeem yourself. And I think a couple of teams will. Maybe again, when Hayner and we talked to uh, Nate Kreckman last week from this week in the Mountain West, you can hear Wednesday nights here on ESPN. Honolulu. He is expected back at some point. They just don't know exactly when yet. So it's not a season-ending injury. When he comes back, they should be a better team unless it takes them a game or two to get on track, maybe a little rust involved. Uh, but they're a team that you you wouldn't expect to be struggling to make a bowl game. And as you mentioned, they're 1-3 right now. They, they've got a long way to go, and it's not going to be very easy for them. Uh, again, with the, looking at their schedule coming up, I mentioned Boise, then San Jose. They get New Mexico, San Diego State. Uh, it's not going to be easy for them to get bowl eligible. So there's going to be a good team from the beginning of the season that's not bowl eligible at the end. All right, coming up on ESPN Honolulu, the great story of Jimmy G. Weather-wise <laughs> today, hey, we got part. it's going to be partly cloudy, especially for you guys on the east side. High today, they say mid-80s. If you're on our side of the island, maybe upper 80s again, but trades are 10 to 20 miles per hour. So 
Right now, 76 degrees in the Magic City at ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a good Taco Tuesday, National Taco Day, baby. We're going to celebrate today. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. And uh, keep listening. we got UH Volleyball tickets to give away. Uh, Hawaii's assistant volleyball coach, Kaleo Baxter, is going to join us in 15 minutes. Get us ready for the Irvine game on Friday night. And <laughs> during the break, Tanner gave us kind of a sobering thought because this, the whole segment pretty much last uh, a few minutes ago was – that uh, San Diego State's got no quarterback. And then Tanner says, well, you don't need a quarterback to beat Hawaii. <laughs> that's so That's so bad. Yeah. Talking about our, 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 our trouble stopping the running game. It's, that's, 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 just, that's just rude. That's just rude. How, talk about a, a, a wake-up call in the morning. Hey, you know what? I'm sure they're going to make – Jacob Yoro's going to make those – you know what? It's not the coaching. It's the guys just got two – they got they tried to, they, they panicked and they got into playing hero ball and didn't stick with their assignments. It's like everybody running after the ball carry instead of sticking to your gaps and lanes and all of that kind of stuff. So hopefully the boys uh, learn from their mistake and I think they're going to bounce back. I really do. But anyway, the uh, last night at the end of the game, at the end of the football game between the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams, you had to feel good. If you saw Jimmy G being interviewed on the sideline, it's he had a big smile on his face. And I just thought, what a big 360 from last year. Well, not even last year. What, six months ago? Whenever it was, when he stood behind the podium, tears in his eyes, thanking the fans and saying goodbye <laughs> to the San Francisco 49ers. And then he went and had shoulder surgery or whatever surgery it was. And the Niners couldn't trade him because nobody knew if he was healthy or not. And now they end up just keeping him because they're not going to get anything for him, I guess. And the the thing is that he's a backup quarterback behind Trey Lance. And I think we were bickering about this all offseason long. You were like, Trey Lance, he's not the guy, he's not the guy, blah, 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 for whatever reason. And I'm like, well, I think the coaches know what they're doing. I trust the coaches. You know what? I take that back, GD. I don't trust the San Francisco 49ers coaches. It's like they're rushing Trey Lance along or something. It's like you're you're it's like Jordan Love. Hey, let's make sure Jordan Love gets all the reps and he's going to be our starter. Well, you know what? You got Jimmy G that took you to the NFC Championship game last year, brought you to a Super Bowl. I mean, it wasn't all on him. But, you know what? The 49ers looked so good against the Rams last night. I mean, this is a Rams team with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner. You got three, I'll argue, three Hall of Fame players on that defense. Right. And they just picked them apart. I mean, who's that? Talanoa Haufunga? Haufunga. I don't, I don't remember that guy from USC. I mean, that guy was like Troy Palomalu with speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what you might see. You see that interception? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, that guy's fast. Very fast. Think if he got a haircut, Woo, he'd be faster. 
He was almost like Debo fast in a way, but that was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, the Rams have lost now seven regular season games in a row to the Niners. They won the NFC Championship last year. All to Jimmy G. Yeah, yeah, all the Jimmy G. You know what I kind of hope, and I love controversy for the most part. What do the Niners do? Because Trey Lance is their future. They've said it, and he's only not being being in that position now because of the injury, the broken ankle. What happens if Jimmy G brings him to another NFC Championship game? You, you're going to get rid of him again? You're going to try to trade him in the off season when he does it two years in a row? And I know that's a long ways away. They're not quite there yet. But with that defense, with Debo Samuel, Kittle hasn't done a thing yet. They could be a team in a division that's maybe not as strong as people thought. Seattle and L.A. are not dominating or doing as well as, you know, people thought they'd be. And it's still, even though people keep saying it's it's one-fourth of the season already, basically. Oh, that's right. But you know what? Would you say that Seattle Seattle is is beyond expectations or where you thought they would be? I thought Seattle would be like, um, in the famous words of Charles Barkley, I thought Seattle would be terrible, just terrible. I thought they wouldn't be. I didn't think they'd be as good as this. And on our Twitter page, I put a graphic with Geno Smith that Geno Smith through four games has better numbers than Russell Wilson through four games. And I know yeah. you've been saying that all along, and so far he has been. How good Geno Smith has been, at least, yeah. I, 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 I think along with the rest of the football world, expected so much more out of the Denver Broncos with that defense they had. And, you know, I don't know if it's Russell Wilson trying to get used to a new offense, but I don't know. I don't know that you bring in, if it's smart to bring in a guy like Russell Wilson, who is a Hall of Fame-type quarterback. You bring in Russell Wilson, and then you try to teach him. It should be, okay, what do we, let's let's do what makes Russell Wilson shine. That's why we paid him you know, a billion dollars or half a billion dollars, whatever it is. And I don't see them doing that in Denver, and I just don't get it. Now, add, uh, you know, add um, to add salt to the wound, if you will, they're running back. Williams is out for right. the year, right. and it's going to be out for a while. He got an ACL and an LCL and a ALCL and a PCL and a Pacific, everything. And, and um, you know, they still have Melvin Gordon. But they fumble the other day. Right. But um, the um, but um, Javante Williams, I mean, that guy had – that guy had – I saw a stat last night. That guy had better stats than Jonathan Taylor as far as yards after contact. He was number one in the NFL. Wow. And you that. lose that? Woo! That's gonna it's gonna be uh, that's gonna be tough for uh, Bronco fans. But anyway, back to the 49ers. Yeah, it was uh, you know watching Jimmy G play last night, and a lot of it was short passes that turned into big yak. I believe on two passes, Debo Samuel combined for 77 yards of yak. One was a 57 yard touchdown run. The other one was for about 20 yards, where he broke a couple of tackles and made it. You know what? If that's what you're gonna do, then go for it. I mean, they're with Debo Samuel, the 49ers, and I'm talking about their offense, and that wasn't even the star of the game. The star of the game was the defense. Yeah. What did Joey Bosa have? Eight hurries? Seven quarterback hurries? And two Something sacks. like that? Two sacks, right. yeah. But they, the, the, when you go back to the offense, we're not talking a lot so far about guys like George Kittle. 
I know. It's only second one of the game. best tight one of the be- one of the best tight ends in the in the in the league. You got George Kittle. It's new long hair George Kittle, which I like very much. He looks a little lighter too. But we're not talking about George Kittle. Uh, Justin Huscheck, the fullback. He used to be a secret weapon. Kyle, thank you. What did I say, Justin? <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting these names. Kyle Huscheck. He's a guy that was a weapon. I mean, an All Pro fullback every year now he did catch that one nice pass and and had a little bit of uh run down the sideline yesterday but we're not talking about guys that we talked about in the future now we're talking about that running back wilson where's that guy from jeff wilson jr had that nice touchdown i don't know where he's from i picked him up in fantasy because of mitchell going out and he had a pretty good game that touchdown run showed a lot of speed as well last night tanner can you look that up for us i want to see who is this guy you know, the guy reminds me of somebody like Garrison Hurst coming out of the backfield. Mm. That's who that guy reminds me of. I was going to say Roger Craig, but, you know, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> slow, slow your roll on the Roger Craig. Uh, North Texas, the pride of North Texas. Thank you, Tanner. Mean green. Man, but, um, you know, they got the offensive weapons. And if Jimmy G just goes in there and doesn't muck it up, you're talking about what, you know, what wins championships? Defense, what, all yes. quarterback defense starts defense, with defense. Defense wins championships. And the Los Angeles Rams are so banged up. They they did not look good. They didn't look good this season overall. They barely beat Atlanta, and they're 2-2 well, two two right now. Think about it. What do they have besides Cooper Cup? Well, you got Allen Robinson who hasn't really. No, he hasn't done anything. Yeah, I know. What do you get, right. one pass, one time? It's like, is the guy open? Is the guy taking a nap while everybody else is playing football? I mean, this is a guy who's supposed to take a place to some of the guys that departed. They don't have Odell Beckham Jr. They don't have somebody else I can't remember. But, who, I mean, all this hype about Allen Robinson, what a great player. Now he's on the Rams. Now we're going to see him thrive. Maybe it's just maybe it's just Matthew Stafford with his bum elbow. Mm. Maybe all he's doing is just looking only for Cooper Cup. What did the guy have? Nineteen targets, sixteen targets, something like that last night. It's a pretty catches. one to fourteen catches. No, but targets. Yeah, I know even more. I know. Okay, so nineteen targets, I believe, is what it was. And what does that make your offense? One dimensional. Right, right. They, they, are, they again, they're a struggling team, and they, again, they were fortunate to beat um, Atlanta two and two. Everybody's two and two in that division. I thought they would be a dominant, more of a dominant team. What's kind of cool, I think, though, I know you have Philly undefeated in the NFC. I can't think of who's going to meet in the NFC Championship game. And again, one fourth of the way season in, you would have a better idea. Philadelphia is the front runner, but who else is there? Green Bay does not look great at three and one, and nobody out of the NFC West does. Okay, not only is it Taco Tuesday, it is Overreaction Tuesday because I'm going to say this. I mean, if the San Francisco 49ers play like they did, you should be talking about the 49ers. I'm going to um, – you mentioned a team, Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Green Bay Packers are 3-1. and one, But go back and check out, when you get a chance, check out defensive stats on the Green Bay Packers. It might surprise you. They blitz more than anybody else in the league. You thought Dallas? You, maybe you saw that graphic last night. If you thought Dallas was was a blitz happy, and somebody else, but no, maybe because we haven't seen a lot of them. It's the Green Bay Packers. Wow, it's surprising a little bit. Wow. Yeah. All right. Hey, you know what? Uh, I want to say congratulations to uh, my favorite Rainbow Wahine player. I feel like I discovered her. <laughs> of Is <course>. uh, Ka- <laughs> Kaylin Alexander. 
from Alpharetta, Georgia. She got uh, 23 slam downs uh, against Cal State Fullerton on Friday and Long Beach State on Saturday. Um, let's see. Wait, how, she had 23 slam downs, and then did she have 33 total slam downs for the weekend? Anyway, she was the, uh, again, again and again and again, the Big West Freshman of the Week. So congratulations to Kaylin Alexander. We're going to talk to our um, uh, her coach, Kaleo Baxter, from Rainbow Wahine Volleyball, coming up next. And then, keep listening, after that we're going to give away Rainbow Wahine Volleyball tickets for Friday night. I got a four-pack, right? We got four tickets to give away. We'll give them all. We'll just blow them out right after we're done with uh, Mr. Baxter. That's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. It is ESPN Honolulu on the side of the Hawaii app. Hey, folks, it's the Bobby Curran Show with the sports animals uh, in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. That last guy in the FanDuel commercial, I think that that could be that could be that could be an actual job career is, you know, go to the Columbia School of Broadcasting and learn how to be disclaimer guy. <laughs> There's probably, you know, now with sports gambling, because they have to legally get all of that stuff out, that uh, you could be, you know, it's like, you know, I want to be the disclaimer guy. How's this sound? Member FDIC. Barbie clothes not, in, Barbie clothes not included. Battery sold separately. Huh? Not I bad. Could be disclaimer guy. I could be disclaimer guy. All right, uh, let's get our next guest and talk some Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. Yes, a very impressive road swing up to California and now 4-0 in the Big West. The Rainbow Wahine Volleyball team back at home this weekend and joining us now via the Aloha Kia Hotline is assistant coach Kaleo Baxter. Coach, thanks again for joining us and your team now in a five-game winning streak uh, doing really well in conference. Your thoughts on the road trip this past weekend? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I definitely thought uh, we played some good volleyball at times and things that we've been practicing, uh, in our practice gym, we implemented and it was, just, it was nice to, to see our girls play, play clean volleyballs for at least six of the seven sets, um, while on the road in someone else's gym. So, um, you know, props to the girls for, for showing up. We talked with Amber Igedi on our show last week, having another fantastic season. She was talking about some of her teammates, and we see once again that freshman outside hitter Kaylin Alexander, Big West Freshman of the Week, third time she's won it, and second week in a row. Did you expect this much out of her so early in her career? Uh, I'm going to say that's why we that's why we uh, recruited her. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we knew what she was capable of. Uh, we we knew that she had a she had a very high ceiling when, when we were watching her. Um, she's long. She she sees the block well. Um, you know, and it's it's things that we we saw um, while we were out recruiting her at, at those national um, club tournaments, and she was doing it at that level. And and um, you know, she's her her ceiling is so high and. Um, we're just we're excited that she's on our side of the net and that she uh, is a rainbow hina. Kaleo Baxter with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Do you know who else was recruiting her? Like who'd you who'd you who'd who'd you, who'd you beat out? Um, gosh, I right now I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but definitely, 
definitely some schools um, in the South and in the, in the Midwest and um, some Power Five schools. And, um, you know, I know I know she, she uh, fell in love with Hawaii the moment she saw us play um, in that um, – that regional uh, in 2019 and um you know again we're just we're excited that that she's a rainbow and, and right, we have right her for on. three and a half more years right on i remember a few weeks ago even before big west play started a lot of people talking about her service game her serve and receive game she was really effective and now you look at the kills the double di- double digit killed i mean she's done it in seven of the last uh, i think 10 or 11 matches uh doing a really good job what did what impresses you the most about her skill set uh, just that she she wants to get better um, every single day. You know, um, again, we know that that she can kill the ball. Um, she's getting more and more and more comfortable passing, and uh, with first ball contact, it's something that she didn't do all that all that much of um, in in club with her with her club team. And I, I think it was until her senior year or her 18th year that she started to pass um, more balls, and they start to have her go all the way around. So again. Just just the fact that her ceiling is so high and she she's eager to, to get better every single day in the gym, um, it's I think it's showing um, when we're playing our matches right now. So many players standing out for your team of late. Riley Wagner seemed to get better and better, more impressive numbers. She had 16 kills in that win Saturday against Long Beach State. Yeah, Riley is Riley's our steady Eddie, um, you know, ball control, six rotation outside and you know she's she's been with us now for gosh 3 years she had a really successful beach season last spring and and you can see that paying off and you know but i think most of all it's just it's just her confidence um you know it's it's so it's so hard to get lost when when things aren't going well and she's doing a very good job at managing those times within each match if if if, if something's not going well um it's just it's just showing her maturity and and um, how much she's grown as a player in, in that aspect of the game. We know Kate Lang, the setter, has done such a fantastic job. I know Mylana Bird, the only senior on the team, came in against Long Beach State. I know there's got to be several reasons. Why is size a contributing factor for bringing her in? No, um, not at all. Um, Kate was actually getting some decent touches on the block. Uh, we just felt that at that time Kate needed to, to, to see the game um, from the outside. Um, and so we went with Milan in the front row for three rotations and, and Milana put up, um, a few, a few balls. And I believe Kaylin and Amber got a couple kills. Uh, then when Kate went back in, she started to deliver, to deliver, um, a, a much, uh, more hittable ball to, to our girls. So, um, that's, that's all that was really. This week at home, you've got Irvine Friday, UC San Diego Saturday. And I know this used to be a rule, at least in basketball, I'm wondering about volleyball. San Diego coming in Saturday, are they allowed to watch the match in person on Friday night? No, they're not, no. Uh, they they have to watch it um, in their hotel room if, if that's what they want to do, or they can wait till our video platform um, gets, the, the film gets uploaded and coded um, to watch it that way, but no, they're not allowed to watch it in person. To not give them any kind of advantage, I guess, by seeing you guys up close, right? I mean, yeah, but at, at this point, we have so much film on every single team. Uh, we know exactly what what each uh, what each team is kind of going to do in each rotation and what each player wants to wants to wants to do. So um, it's it's really no advantage. 
Well, you guys haven't lost since that USC reverse sweep back in early September. Continued good luck in the Big West 4-0 right now. I have a feeling it'll be 6-0 after Saturday. Thanks for joining us, Coach, and good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good day. All right, you too. And Very that, cool. Kaleo Baxter, assistant volleyball coach, joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia, you know a guy. And, Chris, I'm not sure if you remember, but I remember hearing that in basketball back in the day when teams might play here. Uh, like the second team on a homestand, they weren't allowed to come for basketball and watch UH in person. Because teams from the mainland, you play two teams in, uh, at home in the same week, where when Hawaii goes to the mainland, they're playing two games at different venues. But here it's the same venue, but I think that's a good rule to not give any team an advantage. Wait, I don't get it. Okay. Uh, okay, so Hawaii is playing Irvine at home. Friday. Oh, and then San Diego Saturday. Saturday. So they're going to be in town. But they gotta just they gotta just chill out and uh, uh, you know go down to the go down to you know Moani's in Waikiki or something. And or watch Rivals the and watch the game if they want. They yeah. can watch it on TV at Rivals. Right, and um, they well you have to I think you have to be 21, don't you? Uh, well, you have to be 21 to drink. You can go in there if you want to have some great pizza and just watch TV and have some soft drinks. I think. oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I thought you just have to be 21 to go into like a sports bar. Oh no no you just can't drink. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, it's a good I mean, rule, though. I think you don't want to have them have any kind of advantage, even though it might not be a lot. Yeah, I guess. I guess you can see things that because on television you're seeing just what the camera's watching, right? Yeah. So you're not you're not based you're not seeing the whole floor and other things that that you know, coaches look at. So far, uh, Irvine for Friday night, as far as um, Big West play goes, they're two and two. I mean, right. they beat CSUN. Uh, they swept CSUN. They lost to Santa Barbara in five. They lost to uh, UC Davis in five. And then they swept Riverside. So I don't know what we have in Irvine, really. Because, I mean, they, their wins are sweeps. Their losses are in five sets. Right, right. Santa Barbara, the only under, only under undefeated team with Hawaii at 4-0. No, they won't play them for a while later on in October and late November. But that seems to be not really the nemesis, but the biggest rival in women's volleyball. Cal Poly has been that team in the past as well. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's give away four tickets to see Rainbow Wahine Volleyball against Irvine Friday night at the Stan Sheriff Center. Call in now at 808-296-1420. Let's see. Be caller number four. If you're caller number four, you get four tickets from ESPN Honolulu. And while you're dialing in, it's time for our bulletin board here. And let me just pull this up. Um, According to Feeding America, one in ten people in Hawaii face hunger, while one in six keiki here go hungry. So we ask you to please give to the Hawaii Food Bank. Visit hawaiifoodbank.org. And this message is brought to you by... Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. And we say congratulations. Congrats to Michael Fernandez from Kapolei. He got the four tickets to see the Rainbow Wahine play volleyball Friday night. So uh, it's easy peasy. We're just going to either email or text the tickets because that's how they do nowadays. And uh, we'll have more for you to give away, uh, more for you to win. And uh, keep listening here to ESPN Honolulu throughout the week.
I was just laughing at a text I got. Apparently, uh, Cleo Baxter was not aware. We, somebody forgot to let him know that we were going to be calling him, so we thank him even more for joining us. Oh, he texted you and was like, I didn't know that he was... Not him, somebody on. else, the, the middle person. Kara? Yeah. Kara, come on! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let's call other UH coaches. <laughs> Let's just call call somebody. Call Laura Beeman and be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, Kara didn't tell you." But uh... <laughs> all right, our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line is open at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. We were talking about uh, University of Hawaii football. Got a big game coming up on the road against San Diego State. San Diego State is uh, struggling offensively. Um, however, it is a road game, so we'll see how we do. Uh, got some texts on that. Thank you for texting in. It says uh, San Diego State doesn't need their quarterback to play outstanding in their offense. They depend on their running game. They need their quarterback to not make mistakes. Unlike UH, our offense depends on our quarterback production to succeed. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, they do. But at the same time, you can't be one-dimensional. San Diego State is a great running traditionally has been a great running football yes. team correct right traditionally yes. uh, you know marshall falk and rashad penny and the list goes on and on and they seem to always torch us with their run game but overall if you're only going to run the ball you're one-dimensional and just going to load the box so you need a good passing game so that the running game can thrive we right? know that by hawaii's offense and what schools like western kentucky and even duquesne to a certain <laughs> extent Dietrich parson talked about that after the last yeah. two home games that everybody knows they're basically one-dimensional and they stacked the box and hawaii wasn't able to adjust and use that to their advantage so you know we've seen it up close from the other perspective or the other side of that and even though you know san diego state has had that great running attack it doesn't seem like i don't know if they have a i don't know who their best running back is right now but it's not like a richard penny marshall falk type guy there's been a few others in there as well so hopefully nobody will emerge this saturday but in the past they have had every time we play them it seems like they've got a guy that's going to get 150 yards against us win or lose i'm hoping that's not the case they're watching they're right now they're watching the tape of the new mexico state game and going (laughs) yeah yes Yes. but you know what hey guys stick to your assignments We'll, we'll we can win this game uh jeff thank you for texting this in the easy post uh, Hawaii, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl prediction says UTSA, Texas San Antonio, against Fresno State. I don't know. Fresno State better pick <laughs> it up if they're going to go into a bowl game. Uh, let's see. Here's one. Aloha, animals. It's never early for let's go, Warriors. I have a feeling about this game. UH 28, San Diego State 14. Our offense is going to surprise us. And, Gary, how about a bad tweet of the day? Brennan, that's your text from Brennan. Brennan wants a bad tweet of the day. I will find one in the next few minutes, and I was even just talking or suggesting that last night, that there are some outrageous ones out there. Uh, We'll find one. I'll find one, I promise, before the end of the show, for sure. Okay. Somebody sent a a, a link. We'll get to that later. Um, Oh, this is is a, a... Tanner said, what did Tanner say? It was the, the texture says, Tanner, Chris, what Tanner said, rude but true. 
I don't remember what Tanner said now a few minutes ago. I think he was talking about the lack of a quarterback for San Diego State, or that maybe it doesn't matter, something like they always have a good, a good running game, something along the Ah, uh, leave it to Hayworth, Mr. Negativity. And he's not even going to defend himself. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not wrong. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I was, you know what? Why do I have a feeling about this game? You know, we're on the road. If we Look, if we can stop the run, all Hawaii has to do to win this game, all Hawaii has to do is stop the run. And we've been and very good at that. What? We've been very good at stopping the run. But you can dare them to pass. You can really dare, just like teams have done to Hawaii, dare, let San Diego State pass. They haven't been effective. If you can, if you can slow down the run even, slow it down to what New Mexico State did in the second half, which was right around 100 yards. They ended up with 359 or 69, but 206 right. in the first quarter. Hawaii right. did make some adjustments. It is possible. It's not like they're that bad. Right. Stop the run. Play offense like you did last time, and I could see a 28-14. to 14. Can we score four touchdowns in a game? I think so. Have we scored four <sighs> touchdowns on offense this season? It's been no, close. but I have a feeling. <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling you could be right. I'm hooked on a feeling. Uga shaka, uga shaka, uga <laughs> shaka. Top stories coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. birthday three days ago <laughs> happy birthday Leighton pang happy birthday brother it's a couple of minutes after seven o'clock it's going to be partly cloudy today high about 85 the trades are at 10 to 20 miles per hour it's sports animals here on the bobby curran show our top headlines today uh well 49ers jimmy g is back and the 49ers are H-O-T hot. That was a dominant, impressive win. No touchdowns for the Rams for the first time in about a year and a half or even longer. And their defense was good. I felt good for Jimmy G with a bounce-back game from the week before. All right, congratulations to Kaylin Alexander. She is the Big West Freshman of the Week again. The volleyball has got a homestand coming against Irvine, and I forget, this weekend at the San Sheriff Center. Irvine Friday, UC San Diego Saturday. We are 4-0. and We've got another great freshman. Only one senior on this year's team, so the future looks bright as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. We've still got some unsettled business in Major League Baseball. The playoffs start on Friday. Playoffs? We know the 12 teams that will be in the playoffs. Teams still jockeying for position. The Mets and the Braves for the number two seed. Brewer, uh, not Brewer, the Philadelphia Phillies and San Diego jockeying for fifth and sixth place in the NL. The AL, a couple of spots up for seeding, and that is it. We know the teams involved, and we're also waiting for a guy named Judge. Yeah. What's up with that? It's getting late. It's getting I late. A, I, I got a question to ask you. Aaron Judge, there seems to be, like, so much interest in the American League home run record. Why do we – I mean, are, are we – did we do that? Would we do that in the National League? 
hey, it's a National League record, everybody. In fact, coming up in about an hour, he's going to be batting, and we're going to do what they call on TV a look-in. So we'll call it a hear-in. We're going to listen in to Aaron Judge's at-bat in an hour. And I guess throughout the rest of the day, while he's up, every time he goes up to bat, we'll cut in, and we can maybe witness number 62. Now, I'm not putting down the fact that he's going to break a record, but it seems like the sports world is treating like this like it's a major league baseball record, not an American league record. If Joe Montana or somebody was, go- was going for a NFC record something, we wouldn't care. Do we care who the NFC champion and the AFC champion is? No, we care who the Super Bowl champion is. We care who the champion is of the league, not of the conference. But it seems we're getting sucked into this Aaron Judge thing. Now, granted, he has maybe arguably the best offensive output in the history of Major League Baseball, and it's a long history. But why are we getting all up in arms about an American League record? I have been thinking the same thing, and I have that on my notes for today. I think there are a few answers, but I really agree with you because it's a an AL record, not a major league record. Two reasons that come to mind. One is that some people will look at 61 as the actual record because everybody who hit over 61, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, well, they're also the three that were alleged to have taken PEDs. Hasn't been really proven. They had took creatine we know about with McGuire. But I think that's part of it. Also, the fact that 61 has stood for 51 years or 61 years, and it was a Yankee record, that maybe people are paying more attention. But you're absolutely right. This is almost like somebody setting a hit streak record of 45 to break Pete Rose's record, and we're getting to look in and listen into that for number 45. But the AL and Major League record is Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. That's the overall record, just like Bonds is 73. So I'm a little surprised when you think about it and look at this picture of everybody being drawn into every single at bat. Some people have complained on that ESPN is doing live cut-ins during college football games. And, you know, just football in general, even some NFL games, I think they might have had a cut in as well. And people don't like that. It's football versus baseball, but it's not a major league record. It is a big deal. It really is, but it's not the major league record. We Uh don't do it for any other league record, just this one. You know, there's actually somebody out there that doesn't want him to hit 62. And you know who that is? Roger Maris Jr.? No. The guy who caught number 61 in the outfield. (laughs) (laughs) That 20-year-old guy. No, Toronto, Toronto he got got it back. 61, he got back. 60 was the 20-year-old guy in New York. 61 went in the Toronto bullpen, and Aaron Judge gave it to his mother. Gave it to his mother. That's right. That's right. They gave oh, right. back number 60? Why, was, why was, But why would 60 be a big deal? It's just a round number. I mean, it's just a number of I 60 that counts. I think it's that just that because that we're trying to just see what ball is out there in circulation. Uh-huh. And the last two could have been 61 or 60. 61 obviously fell into the bullpen of the Blue Jays. And uh-huh. then 60 was the kid, but he traded in because he wanted to talk with Aaron Judge all by himself, I guess. Well, it was with his three friends, and he got a lot of stuff. He got the selfies. He got an autographed baseball, an autographed bat, and I think a couple of other things. But, uh, yeah, he, he was happy to do that. He got, ma- he, he, so- he, got he massively undersold, in my yes. opinion. Yes, yes. 
he he I want to have a private conversation with Aaron Judge behind closed doors. I know it sounds crazy, I don't but that want is pretty money. Cool. I don't want season tickets. I just want to be Aaron Judge's friend. Season <laughs> tickets would have been a good, you know, midpoint there. At least you know, yeah. get something out of and it. Good something ones. really and, good. And the good ones. The good yeah, ones yeah. where where Susie where Susie sometimes sits in the crowd. Sometimes she's yeah. down there, right? Yes, Susie yes, Coleman. Coleman. Susie Wal- uh, Wal- 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 uh, Waldman. 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 Yeah. Uh, or you know what? The good the ones behind the the net, right there, first row, second like row, third row. Twelve hundred bucks a game, I believe. Some, it used to be twelve hundred. I think right. it might be a little lower. Now. Right. I want season tickets to that, and then just sell them. Yep. Sell well, half of them. You make a fortune. It, you get to go to all the games, half the games. And you'll you'll kind of get to know um, Aaron Judge because you'll be sitting right behind him batting all the time. Yeah. No, instead, I want me and my two friends to have a conversation with him. <laughs> Close the. What do you talk about? Hey, uh, uh, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, would be if you're a big fan, I can understand. And he's only twenty. If it was like an adult, maybe you would think that wouldn't mean as much to 20 you. 20 20- is an adult. Well, I mean, it might it might mean as much to you as almost anything else. You're not probably thinking about the money part as much, well, even though you should. He might have a lot. Of, his family might have a lot of money, and he's he's well to do. All he wants to do is uh, get a thank you and a. And a hug or something. He lived in a nice area. He lived in a pretty rich area, I think, Westchester. So there you go. Trail. There you go. All right. Uh, today is National Taco Day. Now, it's you know, Taco Tuesday is every week. But today, National Taco Day. So celebrate. You know what? I think there's some – I think ta- – is Taco Bell giving away stuff like today? I think I, they're gi- they're giving away – do we still have Del Taco? Do we still have Del Taco? Or did we ever have Taco Del, Del Mar Taco? was what we had here. Ah, I think. Del Taco – is, like. is kind of weird because that was the first time I was on the mainland and I got tacos and they're like, would you like fries with that? I'm like, French fries and tacos? <laughs> wow. That doesn't go together. Wow. But that was Del Taco or, yeah, I think it was Del Taco. Anyway, so um, I see here that Taco Bell and Del Taco are offering free reward points on their apps. How about a free taco? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, you would think something along those lines. Yeah. How often does this come around, especially on a Tuesday? Right, once a year. Come on, at Seven <laughs> Eleven, they give away the. You know, at Seven Elevens, they're doing now. I don't know if this is 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 um, happening in Hawaii. Seven Eleven is because all the Seven Elevens in Hawaii are owned by a Japanese company. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know the that. Seven Elevens on the mainland are owned by like a mainline company, but oh. here. They're owned by, you know, a company from Japan. That's why when you go into 7-Eleven, they have all the Japanese snacks oh, when you walk in, right? Sure. Makes yeah, sense, yeah. right? But anyway, at 7-Elevens, I believe, on the mainland, uh, they're doing 10 mini tacos for a buck. But you have to use the 7-Eleven app. Just wow. in case anyone's listening on the mainland today, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I don't know. All right. Did we do our – I can't remember if we did our top – yeah, we did our headlines. Uh, coming up this hour, Billy Hull talks some high school football with us. I wanted to get to this today because ever since Tua Tagovailoa got hurt, um, there has been a uber-raised awareness of concussions and how they're handled in the NFL. And that's going to trickle down. You're going to see it unless we already – maybe we have already this past weekend. I'm not sure. But you're going to see – maybe we saw it with San Diego State. Their quarterback got concussed, right? Right. But I think you're going to see it 
in college, and it's going to trickle down to the high schools, to youth sports, and it's almost like it was a sacrifice turned into something good by Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I mean, it'll be forever known, at least in my mind, I'll call it the Tua effect, right? Just like there's the Rooney rule and there's a certain rule, something happens and, um, you know, they, they name it after somebody. This is the Tua effect, and it's having an effect on the rest of the, the, the football period. I did not hear about this over the weekend about um, Cameron Brait, the tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he goes out, and uh, he's playing, and his own teammate runs into him. He, uh, he, um, I don't remember what player it was. It was like a defensive back. Chris Godwin, I think, with ah, his shoulder. Yeah, Chris Godwin uh, hit him in the head with his shoulder. They collided. And he went down hard. Even the crowd was like, ooh. So he goes down, and then he's laying down for a second. Tristan Wirfs, who I didn't even know was back playing again. Congratulations, Tampa Bay fan, Tanner Hayworth. That's a good addition back to the team. But the um, he goes up and just picks him up. Hey, get up. Let's go. Got to run off the field. And while he's running off the field, he's kind of looking down. He runs into the referee. So that's kind of weird. And when he gets off the field, he's like, ah, oh, my shoulder hurts. So they're, the team is like Todd Bowles is getting some heat for that, saying this is why. When he came off the field, he said his shoulder hurts. We didn't check his shoulder. Now at halftime, he started showing symptoms of concussion. And that's when they said, oh, uh, because right after he came out, they put him back in. And Todd Bowles is getting a bunch of heat for that. And he's saying, I didn't know. It was, you know, it was the uh, it was a, a shoulder injury, we thought. I think Todd Bowles is partly to blame. I think the other rest of the coaching staff, somebody's got to have seen that and said, hey, you know what? His, his crown of his helmet just went crashing into our other guy's shoulder. The crowd realized it. Yes, the crowd did, too. But my biggest question out of all of this is where is that guy in the booth? Yep. We keep seeing these concussions go unnoticed, yet there's a guy in the booth who sees somebody fall violently to the ground. You know what? Call timeout, and I don't know if you can do this. You tell the referees down in the field, hey, call timeout, we want to look at this again, and review the play before you start playing again. Let's, let's, let's all take a moment, have a water break, Eat some orange slices. <laughs> the refs are going to discuss this and look at the film and say, yeah, you better double check. You don't feel it now because this isn't the first time someone's got a concussion, but they don't show symptoms till later. Yeah. So you, because the guy just says he has somebody's had to have seen this. You have a medical tent on the sideline, which he did not enter. And there is that doctor upstairs who's basically main or only responsibility is is to see if somebody suffered a head injury and to remove him from the game and it has been done where he will signal the referee and the referee will remove him before a replay is even seen and I, I, I did see here on Sunday that the referee in the Giants-Bears game, he himself removed Tyrod Taylor from the game who did suffer a concussion though the referee saw that great I think it's more in focus 
because of what happened to Tua, of course. It shouldn't have been because of Tua that it's more in focus. It should have been anyway. But you're right, the guy upstairs, how did he not see something like this? That's that's what you're, your only thing you're looking for. You're not yeah. looking for offside. You're not looking for holding. You're not looking for pass interference. You're looking for head injuries. Uh, and maybe he got up. Maybe he had a bathroom break or went up to get a cup of coffee or something. That's the only thing I can to, think of. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no good excuse for that. And I think a few people are partly to blame. I'll give Tampa Bay this much credit. Just this much is that at least they did it sooner than later. I mean, better, better late than never. Better late than never. Where at halftime, I, I don't know if I believe that he started showing the symptoms at halftime. I just wonder if maybe some, some doctors said, "Hey, you know what? We better look at him." And then they came out with a statement, sort of the same face in a way. I don't know for sure. But I'm, I'm glad they did it eventually as opposed to doing what Miami did, which was not doing anything until Thursday night. Uh, but you can't let it even get that far. Suppose he got when he went back in the game, he pulled it to us. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but where he got hit again. And then it was even worse on the first hit right. because somebody was in error or in fault because they didn't do their job talking about a medical professional, meaning the guy upstairs or a doctor on the sideline. You can't let it get to that point. You can't. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, again, at least they did something sooner than Miami, but when is it going to end? After all this, as you said, because of Tua, maybe some good will come out of it that these things won't go that far. It yeah. shouldn't have happened this quickly with Cameron Braid. I'm hoping he's going to be okay. Yeah, and you know what? They, I, I agree with the, the caller we had, and we've heard this argument said a, a million times. Take away the helmets. Yep. If you take away the helmets... <laughs> <laughs> that ruins your marketing. There's your logo and all of that other stuff. You know what? Take away the helmets. Take away all the pads. Yeah. Take away all the pads and then go out and play. Plus, it'll be great for your. Uh, it'll be great for your uh, individually because people will recognize you, like <laughs> yeah. baseball and basketball players. You can get more endorsements. You know, think of how many more endorsements Jimmy G would have if he didn't wear a helmet. I mean, yeah. he's so handsome. You, know, you can't stand how handsome the guy is. Yeah, right. You see him after the game, you're like, wow, this is a nice looking Josh guy. Josh Allen is a very handsome man. Take the helmets off. <laughs> Let us all see their, them in all of their glory while they're playing football. Yeah, now, if you're playing for a losing team, they might not look as good just because they're on a losing team. And I, I, I know that because I have a lot of losing teams that I cheer for. But, yeah, you're right. They Take away the helmet. It's just, you know, it's, it's nothing funny about this. And, again, it looks like it had a better ending, at least for now, than Tua with Cameron Brait. But, wow, it's just amazing that this soon after Tua, this happened on a weekend where nothing was done initially. And especially the way Tampa Bay erred in this or would not – knowing it and when the crowd gasped they weren't gasping because of the hit to the shoulder and also the fact that he bumped into a referee there's another hint and nobody did anything there's doctors on the sidelines somebody should have been better at what they're doing the medical the medical profession thanks for texting into the zephyr insurance text line uh it says concussions are serious business but there's way too many armchair doctors out there i'll agree we're armchair quarterbacks we're armchair doctors it's 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 fandom in uh, in America. Uh, he goes on to say Antonio Brown would play with no pads, helmet, or pants. <laughs> well, he did that in a pool, I guess, in uh, uh, over the weekend when they sent that video of him. That was pretty disgusting. Hence the uh, text, yeah, or yeah. with no pads. Thank you for the text. That was a good one. Uh, before we go to break, um, baseball question for you guys. Isn't it time for an automated strike zone in Major League Baseball? So many bad calls by umpires. The technology is there. Why not use it? We'll answer that coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Billy Hall in 15 minutes. We'll be right back. 
Hope you're having a great morning. Partly cloudy is the call for today. Trades 10 to 20 miles per hour. High in the mid-80s. I never trust that mid-80s things because it always seems to be upper 80s lately. But uh, anyway, going back to the text from the Zephyr Insurance text line a few minutes ago. uh, How come they're not using the technology to call balls and strikes in Major League Baseball, Gary? Well, they've been, they've been discussing it for a while, and I think this year even more so, as the texter said. I mean, there's been an incredible amount of bad calls this year. And some of them are borderline where maybe we think they're bad, as you said, armchair quarterbacks and things like that. But a number of them have been really awful. And it's being discussed where it could happen. I think they would probably start it in the minor leagues first. But it's something that could be a wave of the a plan of the future. I mean, we never thought you'd have instant replay in maybe any sport, let alone baseball, which might have been the last to go to it 10 years ago. Now it's there. And you know what? I think it should happen, actually, where I was against it. you got to have the, the human element. You know, it's a ju- it shouldn't be a judgment call, though, but you want to have that factor. That's why the umps and refs are there. But with so many calls that are obvious one way or the other, I think you might need that in the future. So it might be headed that way. So don't be surprised in the next three to five years, the next maybe CBA in baseball, it does happen, at least on some levels. Okay, think- so, okay, then we're talking about robot umps. Yep, 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 I know, at least on balls and strikes. Which is okay, right? I mean, do you need someone standing there telling you it's a strike? I mean, in a way, you got your question, do we need? No, we don't need. It's just been part of the ba- part of baseball. Some people don't want to see that taken away. But do we need it? No, because you want to get the call right. That's what replay is for. And they don't replay balls and strikes. So maybe if you had a robot on that supposedly couldn't get it wrong, uh, maybe that is the way to go. And with some, again, there have been so many calls that are outrageously bad this year that, that are maybe six inches or more outside of the plate that are called strikes. I mean, it's incredible. It's really been bad. And they've been highlighted, too, so we're seeing more of them. But it's been that bad this year. Do you need robot ups, or do you just need people to wear glasses? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's you get like, look at this great technology. It's called glasses. Right, the, right. You know, okay, when we talk about robot umps, we're not actually talking about something out of the Jetsons, right? There's no, not going to no. be a robot standing behind the, uh, the catcher saying, you are out. That is strike three. You are out. And then if you try to argue with the robot, a little boxing glove comes out of his chest and it goes, boom, and it knocks you back into the dugout. No, you're basically talking about sensors, I guess, somewhere, right? Yeah, and the camera's right there. And somebody just texted in that the AAA championship game used that service. Uh, you had five yes. challenges there. So I believe I, I thought it was used. I'm not more than positive in the minor leagues. But it sounds some people, against tra- traditionalists, old school people like me, just being old, don't want that necessarily. But you don't want the calls being that bad. Again, if it's a judgment call and it's that close, leave it to the ump. Because maybe we think we're right, but we're biased as fans a lot of the time. But when they're sure. that bad, wow. I, I think it affected a couple of games this year. I mean, it, that, that shouldn't happen. But I think it takes away from some of the game. And I don't think you have to be mm. old or young or, or middle-aged to have an opinion on this. Because imagine no umpire back there. Imagine no ump. you got a catcher, and then there's a little wall behind him. It almost, it's like something's missing. 
um, you know, we get a strike, a little red light goes on. You get a ball, it's a little green light pops up or something like that. Part of the fun of baseball is yelling at the players on the field, heckling players, um, heckling the umpires. Oh, yeah. That's, that's part of the charm of going to a live baseball game. If you can't heckle the balls and strikes, oh, come on, ump! What are you going to do? Throw even, stuff at the, throw stuff at the sensor. Yeah, throw stuff at the sensor. <laughs> yell at the. I mean, okay, because you don't. If you don't have a guy calling balls and strikes, do you really need a, an umpire at first base or an umpire between uh, first and second? Can't you just have a sensor on the base that um, you know somehow th- they can uh, tell if that was? They're basically saying get rid of umpires. Is what this could lead to. Yep. And, okay, look how great it is. We got all the calls right. But, boy, the game got boring all of a sudden. They they took away managers are not supposed to leave the dugout to complain or argue with an umpire. I miss guys like Earl Weaver back in the day kicking dirt on home plate or in the umpire's shoes. But even so, when you go to a baseball game, isn't it enjoyable to hear the home plate umpire go, Steve I mean, I like that signal. I don't know how he does it so many times. It seems like that would hurt a little bit. But you like hearing the umpire go strike. You know, I've been to a lot of college and high school baseball games, and I've watched a few on TV over the years. I've never heard an umpire, besides one on maybe, uh, you know, Bugs Bunny or something, <laughs> say, Strike! Actually, I have maybe a little bit better than I just did it, because now my voice hurts. My throat What do you done. mean? They took that long to go... Steve, yeah. right? At Major League Baseball games, I would say there's a number of umpires that take that long, and it's like, wow, why do they do it like that? I mean, I might be exaggerating a little, but not by much. I think you're exaggerating. This is what it sounds like. Ball hits the mitt. Sometimes hey. some umpires will do the whole signal and make it really extended with that strike now, call. Now, if you're striking them out, they do a little bit more of a dance for the yeah. put out. <laughs> yes. But I've never heard anybody, unless it was, you know, on Roadrunner and Coyote or somebody going, Steve, right? What about Maybe Leslie? If, if baseball had a space jam, that's what the umpire would sound like. Didn't Leslie Nielsen do that? And was it the airplane? Not what, but not airplane. What movie was it when he became the umpire in home plate? Naked Gun. Naked Gun. Didn't he act like that a little bit? I he did a really I, big dance. He did it like for like 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's uh, bottom of the hour, which means Billy Hall is going to join us. He's going to talk some uh, high school football next. Want to let you know if you're looking for a uh, looking for a little pregame party, at uh, check out Big City Diner in YPO. Countdown to kickoff will broadcast live starting at two thirty. This is this Saturday afternoon, Hawaii against San Diego State. Josh Pacheco and Arnold Martinez will be there for the show. They've also got some great prizes and uh, the Modelo Especial. You can get 25-ounce uh, Mega Modelos for just $7. So thank you very much to Coca-Cola for giving away some uh, great Coke prizes, too. We've got D. Otani Produce as our sponsors, Paradise Beverages, and, of course, Modelo, making the party happen. Countdown to kickoff at Big City Diner, YPO. That's the place to catch UH against San Diego State from ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning. And my heart called out 
Oh, remember, coming up in about half an hour, a little less than half an hour, Aaron Judge will be at bat, and uh, we've got sucked into the hype. It's not a Major League Baseball record. It's an American League record, but we're all going to tune in to Aaron Judge's at-bats today. We'll have a little what they call in TV a look-in. We'll have a listen-in, 8.04, a.m., and see if Aaron Judge can get number 62. Well, he's number one in our book when it comes to high school football and uh, Washington State, Washington sports, too, I guess. Billy Hall from the Star Advertiser. Hi, Billy. Hey, how's it going? I enjoyed that music. It almost put me right back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Think of us. You're way too young. You're way too young. (laughs) Hey, Billy, great to have you on again. And let's start, even though it was a few days ago, it's fresh in a lot of people's mind, the Kahuku game against number three nationally ranked St. Francis out of Maryland. Kahuku was leading that game 15-8. to I could feel everybody in the state pulling for Kahuku to win that game. They unfortunately lost 22-15, to but what a performance by Kahuku on Friday night. Yeah, you know, they really kind of showed after uh, uh, playing uh, St. John Bosco earlier in the year and, and losing by, I think, four touchdowns in that game. You know, they really showed that they, they are as advertised, they are as good. That defense had, I think, three goal line stops uh, against the, the third-ranked team in the country. And they, it's unfortunate because they really had that game. They got a stop. They got the ball back. Um, they had a one-point lead. They just I think they just needed a first down to kind of run out the clock, couldn't get it. And then you saw St. Francis come right back down the field at the end and win the game. Um, but it was it was a tremendous performance. I think it, it clearly showed. You know, I was actually just looking right before I came on at the uh, USA Today Top 25, and I thought maybe there's a chance that even though they had two losses when they're against the top three teams in the country and you play the third-ranked team in the country, that they might sneak in at the bottom. And I think they were just outside the top 25. But um, it, it was a great performance by them. I know it was tough to lose that game. They all wanted to win that game, obviously. But it just kind of really showed that they are kind of the cream of the crop. They're really good. They're as advertised. And, and now that they focus on, you know, winning OIA and winning the state championship, they're going to be really tough to beat. Yeah, that was a big, big team. That defensive line, a couple of those guys looked like they were like NFL size at least, and they were that good. But I want to ask you also before we move on, the last touchdown for uh, St. Francis by Kyrie Benton with about 39 seconds left. When you look at the replay, it looks like he might have stepped out of bounds on the two-yard line. I mean, that's a little controversial to say, at least, because you never know what would have happened if Kahuku could have stopped him one more play. I know that's a what-if, but that they were that close, and a bad call kind of did them in as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, that was a little bit unfortunate. Um, you know, it's close. It's also, you know, it's kind of high school, and those things kind of happen sometimes a little bit more. Uh, but I know if if you're you know Kuku that they'll go back to there was the big fumble they had that was returned for a touchdown mm, right. and then just just the fact that they were able to get down to the two yard line because up to that point you know they'd given up some yards but it, we really didn't kind of see the the chunk plays that they were giving up the way that they were just kind of able to zoom down the field that last drive and so I think you know ultimately on a big play like that yeah it was kind of a close call they might have got the, the the wrong end of that one but you know there were also some plays I know that they would say that they should have made in order to keep from getting to that point so. Obviously, that was kind of a, a tough way to kind of lose it there at the end. But, um, you know, like I said, it's been um, it's just been fun seeing Hawaii's best team, you know, this public school on the North Shore, go and challenge themselves against two of the best teams in the country. It's made for some really exciting high school football. I guess the one thing it shows us they can play, and they have, again, number one and number three, they can play with any school in the country and definitely be competitive. But let's focus on what's ahead for them. they got Moana Lua coming up this Friday, and then Mililani to end the regular season. Only a few games left, only two left in the regular season. That Mililani game on Saturday the 15th should be a fantastic game. I know Kahuku obviously would be the favorite. Mililani having a great season as well. Yeah, they are, and this is really kind of a chance now to kind of 
you know, as we kind of have adjusted and we see now that, yeah, Kluge was really, really good. We've seen that Puno is really, really good. And then we saw, you know, early on in the year, it was kind of like Milani and Campbell were that next tier, and they played that memorable one-point, I think, 35-34 game mm. and showed that they're all neck and neck. But I think these next couple of weeks now, it's an opportunity for Milani to kind of put themselves back in the conversation a little bit. They got Coppola this week, which is which is a good game, and then obviously the Coon game next week. And so we'll kind of be able to see now as we go into playoffs just how far is that gap? You know, just we talked about how good Cuckoo looked against the top three team. Well, how far is that gap between, say, Milani, which I think everyone would say uh, is the second best team in the league? But, you know, they've just kind of been slowly doing their thing, beating who they needed to beat. Um, they obviously played modern day earlier in, in the year and had a lead in that game in the second quarter. So, uh, yeah, I think now these next couple of weeks, Milani is going to kind of jump into the, the conversation here and, and we're going to kind of figure out uh, just how good they are and if they really are a formidable challenger to Cuckoo in the OAA. Billy Ho from the Honolulu Star Advertiser joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline talking high school football. A few weeks ago, actually it was early September when Kahuku beat Punahou 27-20. Punahou has St. Louis this week, and St. Louis not having the kind of year we expect. Your, your thoughts on how Punahou maybe has improved since then, especially if they do meet in the D1, uh, the Open playoffs later on? Yeah, we, we've talked about uh, Punahou's been all good, but they had um... – their quarterback, um, Jason Calvin Sagapolutelli, had a really, really good game a couple of weeks ago. I think he kind of, you know, he's kind of been the one guy where we see we saw Ty McCutcheon come in in that in that Kuku game and kind of ignite him in the fourth quarter and thought maybe there might be a little bit of a quarterback controversy there. But to see Sagapolutelli kind of come back, have a really good game, and kind of reinsert himself, you know, as the leader of that team, as the senior quarterback of that team, who's been a starter for four years, I think that even you know boosts them even more. You know, they've already shown that they can run the ball. We've already talked about what a great offensive line they have, their defense. You know, Travis Ross, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but, boy, that guy as a quarterback in the defensive backfield is really good. Um, they got uh, Burnett up front. They're, they're really loaded. I think now if, if Sangapolutelli can play up to his capability, um, that's just another reason to think that they can definitely, obviously, win the ILH, and then definitely, you know, if we end up getting that rematch against Kuku. Uh, at the end of the year for the state championship, you know, I, it, they they can beat them. I think there's no question that they believe they can beat them, and they've shown that they, that they can uh, really, really give Cuckoo a good game. I know I'm getting ahead when I ask this question. Do we know where the state tournament will be held, especially if, if Punahou and Cuckoo do meet again in the championship? Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I know it's going to be, I believe it's Thanksgiving weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um I don't know. I think it might be Chingfield. I'd have to double-check that, but I, I don't know for sure yet. I, I should probably okay. look that up. Okay. Yeah, I'm just yeah. kind of curious because I think a lot of people are uh, kind of anticipating that. It should be a great game if they do. I want to ask you a little bit about D1 football as we have you here as well. When you look in the OIA, you got Waipahu and Iaea, Iolani also in the ILA. Do you see anybody else maybe giving either of those schools a challenge? Uh, no, I think, well, I mean, look, Yolani's got a big game against Damian this week. You know, yeah. Damian's quietly had a solid season, and when they played the first game, uh, that was a really close game. So I think in the ILH, you definitely have to uh, talk about Damian a little bit. I think they, um, you know, they got a pretty good defense. Like I said, the first game, I think it might have been a one-point game. I believe uh, Yolani's kicker had to make a kick in the last minute. Uh, Allison Chang, who's awesome. I mean, she's been booting field goals all year long. She had three last week. She's a She's a really, really good kicker. She's one of the best kickers in the state. Um, but, yeah, I think Damian's going to give them a big challenge on Friday. And then kind of when you look ahead, I mean, Waipahu and Iaea, I think they're clearly kind of the two big teams. We've seen Kailua. Um, Kailua's kind of come on a little bit. They've been able to run the ball, play a little bit of defense. They've got a game. That Waipahu-Kailua game this week is kind of interesting uh, to see what the Surf Riders can do against Waipahu. But, 
yeah, some really good players. I mean, Waipala's got a kid, Tamu Uliata, who I think isn't just one of the best players in Division One. I. I think he's one of the best players in the entire state. You know, he, he led the OID one in receiving. Then he um, had to have they had the situation where do they call up their JV quarterback or do they just put him at quarterback? And now he's played quarterback so well that he might actually be their quarterback moving forward. We'll have to see about that. He's also come up with big plays on defense. So, you know, Waipala's got that superstar athlete to kind of lead him. Um, is pretty good. You know, when they met the first time, Waipala beat him by a touchdown, but Ia was without their starting quarterback, Ezekiel Ali, who's a really, really good player. I got to see him play on the mainland in Washington. He had a tremendous game, really efficient, can really throw the ball, really kind of impressive when you watch him throw the ball in pregame. He throws a really nice, tight spiral, um, puts it on his receiver's hands. So, yeah, Division One is actually shaping up to be really, really interesting this year with, I think, three, four, maybe even five teams that can go all the way. Have you heard of any players recently getting any big-time D1 offers on the FBS level? Um, It's been, you know, it's funny. It's been kind of a little bit quiet. You know, we've been waiting for a couple of uh, people to kind of make their commitments. Um, you know, Leonard IU out there, Kahuku, I believe, is still undecided. You have Poncho Lalulu, who I think we all kind of think is going to follow his brother to Oregon. I know he has a trip either. He just took it or it's coming up. But, um, yeah, it's been a little bit, little bit quiet on that front. You know, a lot of the guys have kind of, made up their minds already. Uh, a lot of them kind of did it right before the season started. Mm. But, uh, yeah, if you, um, I'll tell you what, though, if you look towards the next couple of classes, I think I want to say that there's at least 20 juniors um, that already have been offered by at least one FBS school, and I think it's almost up to 20 sophomores. Wow. So, uh, these next couple, yeah, these next couple of years, um, there, there's a lot of kids out there that already have offers. So, uh, you know, it's been – I don't want to say it's a down year, but in terms of, like, I think the quantity, maybe there's there's a little bit less we've seen last year and this year. I don't know if the pandemic had anything to do with that. But, yeah, these next the next couple of classes coming up, there's a lot of kids um, that you're going to be hearing about a lot. So much good football to be played. Only a couple of weeks, as we mentioned, in the regular season, then it'll be playoff time. Billy, thanks again for talking high school football with you. I know you're also happy about your Seattle basketball team maybe getting an NBA franchise soon. We'll see if that happens with the exhibition game coming up. We'll talk again soon. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. All right, thank you so much. Billy Hull from the Star Advertiser joining us here via the Aloha Kia Hotline. See ya in a Kia. And we'll be back. we got some more NFL to go over, a lot more baseball. I listen in to Aaron Judge with his first bat. That is about 20 minutes away. All ahead with the Sports Animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> we, we were debating are we on we were debating something off the air tanner was tanner was debating with gary on something and they were going at it and then all of a sudden tanner's retort was mics are hot <laughs> that's how you win the argument mics are hot yes i want to okay so here's what's going on uh thank you for listening uh we're the sports animals on the bobby curran show on espn honolulu thank you guys for listening um the um there was a guy who ran onto the field during monday night football last night and he was uh tackled by the way great tackle by bobby wagner it's why he's going to be in the hall of fame and takaris mckinley so takaris mckinley was seen earlier i guess in the game yelling and screaming and there was at one of his teammates and they were making big body at each other and they had to pull him apart so takaris mckinley got to uh, you know, take his anger out on some poor guy who ran onto the field. 
So they like Peyton Manning was calling him a streaker. In my mind, being a child of the seventies and eighties, streakers are people that run around with no clothes on, right? Yeah. I remember I was at a dog show once. My mom's a dog fancier. I was at a dog show at the Blaisdell, and a streaker ran through the Blaisdell. Let's run through the It's like, you know what? I don't know if I want, you know, a bunch of snapping dogs running naked through there. Right? Right. I mean, and let, and yeah. You, you want to kind of cover that. Yeah, that's a little dangerous. But, okay, so this guy runs onto the field, and he's running onto the field with a canister of pink smoke trying to get attention to himself. Uh, because he is trying to publicize the website Right to Rescue. So he's doing exactly what he wanted people to do. They want you to support the Right to Rescue. Help the whistleblowers facing prison time for exposing factory farm abuses and rescue suffering animals. Basically, you know how you've seen pictures of lambs all, like, stuffed into a little cage, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So they're trying to rescue the cruelty to animals that are being raised for food, which is a noble cause. Yes. And I can't – and you and Tanner were going at it. Why? Well, we weren't really going at it. My comment was, and I said I could see it two ways, where I almost hoped the guy got hurt when he was tackled – sacked by Bobby Wagner. Uh, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, really. But in that case, two things come to mind. One, you have no right to do that, but that's even secondary. How do we know a fan doesn't have a knife on him? How do you know he doesn't have a weapon on him, which is what Bobby Wagner said afterwards? How do we know it's not going to be another Monica Sellers? Even though these guys have been kind of innocent, they're disrupting a game, and you're not going to wait for them to have a weapon. They're doing something illegally. I think they should be sacked. And I don't really want to see a guy get hurt, necessarily, but it wouldn't be the worst thing maybe to stop people from doing it in the future, and I don't condone violence, but that's where we were going, he and I. Tanner, your retort. <laughs> well, this is the thing. He knows the guy knew what he was going to get into. He was going to get either tackled by a bodyguard or an, or probably an NFL player. He probably wasn't expecting uh-huh. that. But I saw a little follow-up at the back end, you know, after he was arrested. I think they posted bail, and he and another person who had also got – you know, arrested for doing the same thing because right. I believe you said there's a second person who was trying to do it as well. In the first uh, go, get on the field. Yeah. They yeah. both posted a photo of themselves, both with their tickets, both their shirts on, smiling. And I think it's. I don't think that he deserves to get hurt. He knows he's gonna get hit, and I don't see anything bad with the cause as long as you know they're not being too dumb. As long as they're not gluing their hands onto a basketball court, then I can make fun of them for that. Same organization. Same yeah. Or- <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, this it's it was. I think another funnier conversation was how he got the smoke bomb into the stadium, because I think there's only oh. one place where he could, you know, uh, sneak in a long where cylindrical that, object. <laughs> where? Who knows? Chris uh, is asking. Look at the face on Chris. <laughs> Uh, somewhere, uh, somewhere where the sun don't shine is what I'm saying. Yeah, but wouldn't you be walking funny? <laughs> so people walk. Are you gonna go anyway? up to someone with a limp? Be like, hey, you got something up in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, this is getting a lot of. Um, this wasn't. Was this on television? 
because I thought they don't show this stuff on TV. It wasn't TV. on television. A lot of people took videos of it and put, posted it online, several videos that I saw from different angles. Mm. Yeah, several videos, and I believe a photo on a couple of uh, mainstream yeah. uh, Twitter accounts as well. Mm. Okay. But you know, I don't think you have the right to do that. You're, you're interrupting a football game, and even though it might be funny and He has innocent, the right to protest. Not in a football game he doesn't. No, he doesn't. You've got your right to do whatever you, whatever no, you, don't. you want. No, you don't. This but says you it on do... the ticket. You get arrested. It's illegal. It's an illegal act. That's yeah, why you get arrested. Still, I'm just saying it's the right to protest. He could do it, and he'll face the consequences for it. And he faced yeah. the consequences. Yeah, he posted I want bail. Him... He, went, right. he got arrested, and he, he paid sh- the fines. And he should get a criminal record for this. He should get a criminal record for this. And go to jail. Did you have to? Did they have to tackle him in a violent manner, or could they just kind of hold him until the authorities came? Here's the tweet of the day. Somebody asked for one earlier. Bobby Wagner's quote is: "I saw security was having a problem, so I just helped them out." Yeah, but okay. Say that guy got. Say that guy got injured. Then what would happen to Bobby Wagner? Hopefully nothing, but maybe something. Yeah. I know. I know. All right. Uh, top stories. And coming up in a few minutes, Aaron Judge is going to go to bat. We will carry that live on ESPN Honolulu. Man, Halloween is here. <laughs> Halloween's coming up, then Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, to, uh, 2023, right around the corner. Boy, this year is uh, uh, flown by, hasn't yes. it? Yes, it really coming up in a, Coming up in a few minutes, Aaron Judge is going to go at bat and go for number 62. Who are the Yankees playing? The Texas Rangers in a doubleheader, making up for the opening week of the season. So they've got two games today, one tomorrow, and those are his last opportunities. Batting leadoff to give him extra at-bats, hopefully. He would have been up one more batter in the ninth inning yesterday. He would have been the next batter up. And the Texas fans were booing, as you heard on uh, the rate, on the, our radio station on ESPN Honolulu, when he the Yankee got out and he would have been up, even though Texas avoided another run, they wanted to see Judge get up. Okay. We have that opportunity coming up in just a couple of minutes, so it's going to be pretty exciting, one way or the other. Okay, so the Texas Rangers, look, they got they're they're not playing for anything. I mean, no. they've lost like ten games in a row or something like that. I mean, they're a really bad team. Just you know, do do us all a solid. <laughs> Give up, throw them a softball pitch. Make like you're playing mountain ball. Let him hit it out of the park, and we can get back to our lives. I would like that at least. But even this, like you said, they're not playing for anything, so at least challenge him. Why would you walk him in a meaningless game for you? It's meaningless for the Yankees, actually. They've clinched the number two seed. He'll get a bye. So why not challenge him at least? Why give, not give him anything for his offering? Why pitch him outside? Why go for the intentional walk any or the unintentional intentional walk? Challenge him at least and see right. if he can beat you that way. And you know what? you got a couple of games left in the season. End on a winning note. Go out there and try and win the game. You know what? Go out and be the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> the Detroit Tigers are the hottest team in Major League Baseball. And they're, what are they, trying to reach 70 wins? About. I mean, it's a bad baseball team. But you know what? They've won nine out of the last ten games. Wow. I didn't know it was that good. But they're the hottest team in baseball. Be like the Tigers. Go out and play ball. 
Yeah, why not? You, again, you got nothing to gain, nothing to lose, but play baseball the right way. I, I don't like that strategy. If it's, if it's a matter of winning the game or not, that's a little different. But just to avoid having a guy at a home run, it shows that you're not really a competitor like most Major League Baseball players are. That's what I don't like about it. And we've seen it a lot. Boston did it a few weeks ago and maybe a few other teams as well. Give him a chance and see if you're better than him. Okay, so right now our brackets as we wait for Aaron Judge to come up the bat. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg's going to join us a little later on this hour. Uh, he's our NFL insider. But the um, the New York Yankees, the, the American League East, that's settled. The American League Central is bad. That's settled. It was probably settled a while ago. The American League West, that is settled. You're, um, the Houston Astros, so the Houston Astros are going to have a bye coming up, right? They're the number one seed with a bye. Okay, so there the, the the Houston Astros and the Dodgers will have a bye. The, well, the Yankees, the Yankees will also have a bye. Two teams in each league get a bye. Ah, okay. I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah, Yankees, Guardians. No, 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 no. Really, Yankees the Yankees, the Yankees for sure have a bye. Yeah, the two top seeds get a bye. Okay, so for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, standings here. Yeah, so for sure the Yankees will be one of the top seeds. Okay. Yeah. It's just not clinched yet, I guess, for whatever reason. Okay. Um, in the National League, you've got the Braves and the Mets still battling out. If the Braves win today, like you said earlier, their magic number's one, all the Braves have to do is win one game. Yes. They've got two games left. They only need to win one. Now, if they lose two games... And the Mets lose three ga- What if the Mets lose all of their games? If the Mets lose today, it's over. So the magic number is one uh, for, for a Braves. So if the Braves win but, today and the Mets... But the, but the Mets have three games left. Yeah, so let's say the Braves win and the Mets... No, 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 no. Say the Braves lose two games. Okay. They only got two left. Yeah. They lose their next two games and the Mets... Then they the Mets tied. need to still win two games in order to pass them up because they be they're tied. one and a half behind. They would be tied today with a doubleheader sweep. They have a doubleheader because of the rain out. So if the Mets sweep and the Braves lose today, they're tied. If the Braves win tomorrow, it's over because they own the tiebreaker over the Mets if they finish in a tie. Yeah, that's why their magic number is only one. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's what we've got in that situation. So the – uh, Major League Baseball, the wild card starts on Friday. Yes. And uh, we'll have that action on uh, one of our radio stations, right? Yeah, I believe CBS 1500 will have the early game. Uh, and then by the, and uh, so we'll have that game. And right now in the National League would be St. Louis versus Philadelphia, the Mets versus San Diego in that wild card round. As of today, Philadelphia and the Padres could leapfrog each other. There's only a game difference between them. Okay, so the Rangers have taken the field. Does that mean Aaron Judge is going to be taking the field? Well, he'll be going up to home plate. Right. I mean, will be he going up to home plate soon? Yes. I believe they've already had the national anthem if they're on the field, so they uh, should be having the first oh. pitch within a minute. They don't go out on the field for the national anthem and take kids with them like we do at UH? They don't do kids. They don't have kids with they them. They should no. do that. Why they not do that? Soccer game. players do that. They bring kids out on the, on the, on the pitch. Yeah. Huh? Who's the cool cool. radio announcer now? (laughs) You. (laughs) Aaron Judge is stepping up to the plate. Let's uh, tune in. 61 homers. (laughs) That was what we... What? Come on! 
All right, so the next at-bat will be, how long does it take to get at-bat again? I mean, it depends, I guess. It could take about an hour, maybe 30, between 30 minutes. I won't take an hour. No, I would say more like 30, 40 minutes, depending on how many runs might be scored. Oh, so we might have another, we might actually have another at-bat if we got a couple of three-ups and three-downs on both sides. Yeah, possible. All right, well, we'll break in the next time so you can hear history being made. An American League record. It's funny Not a major league baseball thing. record, an American league record, but that's okay. I'm caught up in the I'm caught up in all the hype uh, as it is. All right, top headlines. Uh, you saw the game last night, Monday Night Football. The San Francisco 49ers, even though they're two and two, it looks like they're headed in the right direction. They are going to be a force to be reckoned with in the NFC, definitely. Lost the first game of the year to the Bears in that mud bowl, basically. But since then, they've been pretty good. And it was really great for me, at least. I think a lot of fans enjoyed Debo Samuel doing what Debo was known for. And that was the yak and avoiding like five or six tackles after that short pass by Jimmy G. That was beautiful to watch. You know, when you got Debo Samuel barreling down on you and you're Jalen Ramsey, it's one-on-one. It's like, you're like, oh, man, I got to tell. Oh, my God. Ouch, 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 Boom. You get run over. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, can you picture? It's like, oh, man, where's the rest of my team? I'm not going to. Oh, Debo Samuel is so thick. Yeah. I, I, it was funny. I saw an interview after uh, after the game. They do the post game is with Scott Van Pelt. And he's a cool character. And he's like, yeah, answering the questions. Scott Van Pelt, like he's always doing his trying to get all these pro athletes to like him so he's trying to be funny and then he's like worshiping them he does that every time it's like it's like stop the the idol worshiping here scott van pelt you you should be above that you're right anyway and debo samuel afterwards you know he's like uh, hey we hey, was it was it you like jersey swapping <laughs> and debo's all yeah that's my guy with you know cooper you know swapping jerseys and and then Scott Van Pelt says something that he thinks is kind of charming at the end. And Debo Samuel's just like, yes, sir. And then he takes off the headset and runs off. Now, I switch over to the NFL network. And the, I don't know who the sideline reporter is, but it's a, a an attractive young lady. And, boy, Debo Samuel's all smiles, answering all the questions, going into debt. He didn't want to leave her presence at the end. Big smile. Thank you very much. And it's like, okay, aging bald guy, hot blonde lady. It was so obvious, like, Debo, my gosh. Am I the only one who saw the tale of two interviews right there? So he's a good receiver and a smart guy as well. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Got his priorities. Oh, uh, that's the, yeah, that was a big that, that was the big story right there, actually. Let's continue on with headlines. We already went over the Major League Baseball race. Uh, Hawaii, UH is playing San Diego State. Hawaii has had a week off to adjust their offense and defense, put in some more, here's what the cool people say, installs, install new things to keep that offensive momentum moving forward and hopefully fixing up uh, our uh, defensive side on stopping the run game. We've had extra time to get ready for the San Diego State game. San Diego State is playing. Are they going to play? Unless their quarterback, Burmeister, Braxton Burmeister, I think Braxton was his first name, He's in. he was in concussion protocol. If he's cleared to play, we got to play the starter for San Diego State. Now, he hasn't been great, Not but he's the starter. If we don't, 
uh, if he doesn't play, they're going to play a freshman. Um, and I can't remember his name. He's a Polynesian name. Liu is his first name. Almave. Almave, I think, is, was his last name. But anyway, this guy's a front. Almavai. Thank you, Tanner. Almavai. I'm just going off of memory. So this guy, what did he throw? He was 0 for, 0 for 7 8. in passing? 0 for 7 or 0 for 8, yeah, yeah. Whatever it was for passing in the last game, um, they got blown out by a bad Boise State team, 35 to nothing. That's the guy I'm thinking we want to face. We want San Diego State to be one-dimensional. However, the one-dimensional San Diego State rushing attack is what has killed Hawaii over the years, year after year after year. However, again, didn't we beat San Diego State the last couple of times on the road, especially when they were favored? One was to get into a bowl game. We hope that magic continues and that freshman gets to have more starts. Marshall Falk is not walking through that door. Rashad Penny is not walking through that door. So, yeah, they've had great NFL-caliber running backs in the past. I don't know if the running backs this year are NFL talent. So that's something, even though the past indicates that. At the same time, Nico and Al Noga are not walking (laughs) through that door either. Good point. But, however, (laughs) I want to bring this up because I think – However, sir, however. (laughs) a lot of however. I think what maybe will be for – well, I think definitely should be in Hawaii's advantage. It's not so much that you have the time for the installs and all that. Is that you have three receivers that are healthy that warrant for the last – especially two of them basically all season long. Zion Bowens is going to walk through that door. Hopefully he'll be running (laughs) down the field as well. Chucky Hines has played, I think, all but one or two games. He's back. And Koenisha Guy is going to be back. He hasn't played all year. You okay, got three me, guys that have speed okay, at least. Okay, give me. Okay, I keep hearing Chuki Hines. Yeah. To, give me some stats on Chuki Hines. There's. I'll, I'll try to dig some up. There's not a lot, but here's what I think his best attribute might be: is speed. And I, I just saw it the other day his 40 time, at least in high school. He's a true freshman from Texas. He's got the speed. Uh, he's not like he was like, well, we we know that not one receiver except maybe Caleb Phillips in the last game has had exceptional numbers. Jonah Pinocchi had a 100-yard right. game, I think, in week one. Right, but uh, but again, is that a scheme problem? Is that a coaching problem? Because he, Braden Shager should, could sure throw it around last game. Yep. Otherwise, you had Jeremy Yellen and, you know, Joey Yellen as well. Joey Yellen, I keep saying that. Gosh. Well, I, I think anyway, well, yeah. You know, if he p- completed a pass once in a while, I might remember his first name. <laughs> yeah, that's his fault. <laughs> the uh, okay, so I'm looking up Chuki Hines' stats here. He has four receptions for 30 yards, a long of 16. Debo Samuel, he has not been. No, but maybe that's not his fault. Okay, so you're saying he's fast. Yeah, he's fast, and that might again, that might be his best, his best attribute, my best skill set. Uh, but we haven't seen any receiver really shine. Again, Caleb Phillips last game, and I think Pinocchio, I think it was the first or second game where he had over 100 yards receiving. Other than that, there hasn't been a receiver that has really come close to lighting it up or putting up really impressive numbers. Dior Scott, I believe, had nine catches, and it was either Western Kentucky or Michigan. It wasn't 100 yards, but we haven't seen one receiver really break away from the others, really, except for one good game from a couple, and that's it. So I think the speed factor is really important, especially with Bowens. We've seen him do it before at least on, on a somewhat big level from last year talking hawaii football with the sports animals on espn honolulu uh, coming up jamie eisenberg's going to join us in about 15 minutes 
Uh, Mokial Ati Malala. I can't remember. Is he injured too? No, he just. Oh, we just don't throw to the guy. He hasn't played a lot, and they listed him as a starter. I believe that was a Duquesne game, and he did not start in that game. Uh, so, I, you know, we'd like to see him because what we saw in the spring game, at least, he has some speed. We saw him and Jake Farrell really looked impressive. And I go, I know it was it was spring, but you could see the speed on him. Uh, we know he was really good in high school, and we know there's actually. At least on paper, a lot of receivers in this on this team. There's a lot of depth, but I'm waiting for one guy to break out. But I wish some of these guys would maybe get more of an opportunity. And I'll give you an example. Jordan Murray, who I know you pointed out, a lot of people raved about from where he came from, Missouri State, and what he looked including, like. Including me. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and not raved. Overhyped. Yeah, as it turns out. But hopefully part, it's yeah. not. Hopefully, yeah. it, it is, hopefully it will come to fruition. Five games in, it hasn't yet. But one of the reasons that I think it hasn't, and I, you're right, I overhyped it, is that he hasn't really been targeted that much, whether it's at a receiver or either the tight end. Either, talk to the Rams fans, even Allen Robinson. Why isn't he targeted? Yeah. Is it on the quarterback or is it on the receiver? Well, it might be on Cooper Cup. That's part of the reason. If he's getting 19 no, targets no, no, no. in a game. No, 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 go back to Hawaii. So go okay. back to Hawaii. For Jordan Murray, we haven't seen one receiver really targeted a lot. And, again, at least in the home games when you're really watching up close, they, I mean, he, he lined up as a receiver for the Duquesne game. And I think he got one target in that game. I, I don't know who that's on more. It might be on more that, and, again, Yellen did start that game. Shaker came in in that game. It, I don't know who it's more on, but it, – it's hard to say a guy's not good or good if he's not targeted a lot. As far as not being targeted, but we don't know. But, but we don't why. know if he's not been targeted or not. Or well, they the, list that in the stats now. As far in, as the, the in, in the in the college stats, in the UH, when you get the actual game stats okay. after the game, they act not so on the paper. Many, gotcha. Is he, he got, not open? Is he just not open? Does he not know how to run routes? Is that the problem? I don't think that's the problem. He hasn't been open as much as he looked at. Why did he go to Missouri State and not Missouri? Again, what's the problem? You you see what I'm saying? Maybe there's a problem there. All right. um, Kowali Nishigaya is coming back. Again, the guy has um, in, well, he hasn't caught anything. He hasn't played this year. He had the broken so last, last year in, in 2021, he had three receptions for 24 yards and a touchdown. In 2020, two receptions for 36 yards. He hasn't been a barn burner. Bo Graham's fault. Hey, you could be right. I, so, I, I don't know. By just saying, because the guy went to St. Louis, we're really happy that he's back. Is there speed involved here too? I mean, there's got to yeah. be speed. He's five seven, 160 pounds. He usually, was, if you're five seven, usually if you're Chad Owen size, um, you're not there unless you're quick or you're fast. He was one of the best receivers in the state, at least in his last year at St. Louis. Yeah. Really, really good. But yeah, good, right. good question. Good point. Uh, okay, let's look at the uh, um, now. This is the this is the starting lineup against San Diego State. Your starting receiver, and this is this could change. I mean, the first play of the game, they could put it. Right. Is a Jalen Walfel. Dior Scott is the other wide out. And you could say that Dior Scott, Scott, you could say Dior Scott, he's a guy that Shane, uh, that uh, Shager looks for. He's a guy that seems to be targeting a lot. Yes, yes. Um, your other starter is James Phillips. Pretty solid right there. Your backups would be Mokio, Ati Malala, Chuki Hines, and Zion Bowen. So obviously you're going to see a lot of those six guys. 
I'm not a fan of James Phillips as much because of the drop passes. I know he's got the speed. He had that 20-yarder against Duquesne where yeah. he basically did a good route route running and caught the ball, but there wasn't any yak on there. But he had too many drops in the first three games. Yeah, and you know what? That's not like him. He wasn't like that. Why all of a sudden he's starting to drop the ball? That's cray-cray. Anyway. He's almost better as a running back. Yeah, let's get a traffic update here. Uh, pretty good uh, traffic since we're in fall break. Uh, we'll be back on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Happy Taco Tuesday, National Taco Day here with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. The uh, Did you know there was actually something called the National Taco Council? <laughs> it was established in 1964, and they once sent a 55-pound taco to uh, President Johnson in the White House. There you go. Is that like a liquor commission where they regulate tacos and make sure people are following laws and policies and rules? I guess so. They're totally <laughs> against the street taco. You see, they, they came up with the street tacos in, like, Korea or something, and it just it, it blew up the taco world. <laughs> Thank goodness for them, then. By the way, I love the, the little street taco kits they have. I think they have it at Sam's Club and Costco. Is It, it's, it comes in a little box, and it's basically your box of street tacos. Very good. You know, the only thing difference between really tacos and street tacos is I think one uses lettuce and one uses cabbage. That's what I've come Whoa. up with. Yeah. Anyway, happy Taco Tuesday, everybody. It's the Sports Animals here on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Part of me feels really bad for Wisconsin football, former Wisconsin football coach Paul Christ. Uh, he's got a... Win-loss record of 67 wins and only 26 losses for Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, it's close to what June Jones did. and He's, right. the, you know, in Hawaii. Well, they fired the poor guy. But the poor guy did get $11 million in the buyout. So seems to be a good be job a, to have. Right. He'll be like Todd Graham. He can afford a, to build his own house in Black Point. <laughs> But I mean, you saw Ed Orajan, Orajan, excuse me. He got paid seventeen million to leave LSU, and his comments during an interview a few a last month was, "That's great. You're going to give me seventeen million. Tell me what door you want me to leave and when you want me to leave." And I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> but he was happy to leave. But look at what. Um, so he probably uh, wasn't happy to leave, but he he was thank he was thankful for the parting gift. Yeah, Scott Frost got fifteen million dollars, I believe, and it would have been seven and a half million if they did it Saturday, waiting till October first. What a profession where you you're doing such a bad job that they ask you to leave but give you ten million or more to leave. That's why. That's why. That's you know what. That's why 
one of the things that makes March Madness magical. March Madness, you can go from coaching St. Francis in Pennsylvania to Mississippi State for $2 million a year, maybe a 10-year, not a 10-year, five-year, $10 million contract. And like most coaches, that I'm just using Mississippi State. That's probably a bad example. Give me a Okay, give me, a, give me an example. St. Peter's that went to the Elite Eight last year. Shasheen Holloway goes to Seton Hall. And okay, I think Seton he gets Hall. Four, three and a half, four million a year now. Seton Hall is a good example. We're going to have all this money. We're going to pay you this. Sign here. You got a five-year con- uh, contract. After two years, you haven't won yet. They're going to fire you, and your parting gift is the rest of your contract. That's that's how it is. Yep. So that's what makes March Madness fun is because you get to go. Okay, look at that coach. He just won two games in the tournament and um <laughs> this guy's gonna be a millionaire next year they're gonna get rid of him and he's gonna go back to coaching at that level but he'll have this big wad of money so the same thing with football coaches too right yeah brian yep. harson from boise state goes to auburn and they dump they back up a truck and dump a bunch of cash on his lawn well, he's probably going to be fired. Actually, Auburn's doing actually pretty good this year. Well, they lost but, to LSU over the weekend. He's going to get fired any week th- now, from yeah. what they say. Yeah, but he's, I think they were like 3-2 and two or something like that. Oh, okay. It wasn't, it, anyway, but he was the coach everyone talked about, the next guy being on the hot seat, not yeah. somebody like Paul Christ. Right. Now, here's my question, though. Paul Christ had $20 million left on his contract. If I was being fired, I'd say, no, 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 Bubba. You write that. Give me that twenty million dollars you owe me. Why did he settle? And it must be something in the contract language. Why would he settle for eleven million dollars? Because it's really going to come out to six and a half million after taxes. When when he first was fired, the, the release said, "Well, he's owed twenty million. It was, you know, they fired him without cause. We was going to get the money." And then the AD said, "Well, it's not going to be that simple." Alluding or hinting that something else was in play, and I wondered the same thing. You gave up nine million dollars. You didn't do anything illegal. You get fired because you're only two and three. So why did you give up nine million dollars right. for and, what? And, see, that's why. And it's not like it isn't contract language, as I as I'm learning here. Paul Christ agreed to take a reduced payout. He said, "Okay, I'll take less money." But why? Why would you do that? I know. Unless I... they said, "Okay, you know what? We the house we bought you, you can keep that." I don't know. Or do they only do that in Alabama, where they buy the coach a house? Probably a few and, other places. Maybe they give a good letter of recommendation because he did that. That's that's kind of interesting. Very curious. Re- about. I know. I'm he joking went, about he's that. He's won 67 games. I know. I can't think of a reason because he didn't. Again, it wasn't like he was having. Unless there was you some allegations that maybe were going to come out. Photographs. They photographs. Had photographs. Yeah. They had photographs <laughs> of something. He probably wasn't a fan of Taco Tuesday, and that's yeah. you know. <laughs> Young people are going. What's a photograph? <laughs> You ever hear anyone under 20 say, hey, I'll take your photograph right now? <laughs> How about an Instamatic camera? <laughs> but that, right. was, that was a weird story that he took. That's a big difference. And, again, no, nothing illegal was ever mentioned. That's why I was wondering. Other guys, maybe the sense of something going on with recruiting violations. Okay, what about Coach Mack? When they fired Coach Mack, what was the deal? They, he had to because uh, – what's his name? What's the guy's name? Jim Donovan. Jim Donovan. Didn't he, like, they're at their, their the football banquet, everybody's celebrating, and he says, hey, can I talk to you in the other room? I saw that. I saw them so, go into a side room with Virginia. So they go into well. the side room, and he didn't get all the money he was owed. Do you remember why? Well, 
Yeah, okay, this or is what, what I heard. Was, the, the rumor was, was they would release some allega- allegations about him that he probably would not have wanted to be made public. Again, rumors. I do not know that for a fact. So they made it sound like well, he gave that part if, of his salary. If he did something illegal, aren't you required to tell people about it? I don't know. That's a good point, though. Yes, you are. But they put they publicly they said he Other, gave back part of his salary to the university, so it made him look good. Instead of paying him the, the million dollars, they gave him like six hundred. I might be off by a little, and the difference was supposedly given back to UH to help them out financially. But we got some dirt on you, so you're going to take less. That doesn't seem very honorable to me, does it? Again, I mean, it was never disclosed publicly by UH, but there was enough talk about it that you wonder. And or, I do not know for a fact. Or is it just a rumor? Is it the June Jones car accident thing and the, the rumors that flow about it? Is it just a... I don't know. We won't go there. We right. will go to the NFL and talk about the mighty, mighty 49ers and the horrible Pittsburgh Steelers. Coming up next with Jamie Eisenberg on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM, where... We'd like to invite you to join Josh Pacheco and Coach Arnold Martinez. They'll be broadcasting Countdown to Kickoff live, 2.30 p.m., YPO Big City Diner. is You can enjoy Mega Modelo's. That's 25-ounce Modelo draft for just $7. Got some prize giveaways, too. Thanks to Paradise Beverages, Modelo, Diotani Produce, and Coca-Cola. I thought we were on the air. All right, so uh, uh, they're going to win a commercial break. When we come back, Aaron Judge will be on deck for the Yankees. No, 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 no. Texas, Texas Rangers is coming, coming up, up to bat. Next at bat, it be, hopefully before we get off, uh, we'll have another uh, look in to check out how Aaron Judge is doing. But right now, let's talk some NFL. It's a fun game if you're a 49ers fan last night. Jamie Eisenberg joins us now from CBS Sports. Jamie, good to talk to you again, and we'll start with the Niners. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't exactly look too good against Denver in that Sunday night game, but looked a lot better last night. Debo Samuel helped him out. Your thoughts on Jimmy G moving ahead the rest of the season for the Niners? I thought he looked great. Um, you know, and I, I think the the thing that's always encouraging with him is is exactly what you're kind of leading into, is that he gives his playmakers an opportunity to make plays. You know, it would have been nice to see George Kittle come down with that touchdown and sort of make people feel a little bit more comfortable about him, but you know, the offensive line, despite not having Trent Williams, I thought held up great. Uh, you saw the big run from Jeff Wilson. You know, Kyle Shanahan is, is a genius, and, you know, he seems to have Sean McVay's number in the regular season all the time. And so they just had another great performance last night, and we'll see how things go for them moving forward. You know, wanna... you were talking, you mentioned real quick here that uh, people feel better about George Kittle. Are fans kind of disappointed in him? I think just from a production standpoint, you know, from a, from a catching, you know, touchdown scenario, you know, the injuries have been, you know, frustrating to start the season. Mm. Um, I think as a player, he's amazing, you know, because he's one of the best blocking tight ends in football, if not the best. So he's certainly the best combo tight end. Um, you know, but when you look at George Kittle, you know, you expect to see a lot of big plays, and just we haven't seen that so far. We're five weeks or four weeks into the season heading into week five. And so mm. I think just, you know, from a, uh, from a production standpoint, you know, you're just looking to see a little bit more from that guy. 
And from a fantasy owner like I am with Kittle, I want to see a lot more production. So, yes, I, I'd like to see a little bit more. You know, the Dallas Cowboys, without Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush has won three games in a row. He won his only start last year. I know that they say that Prescott is ready to return, although now we hear it's not going to be next week. I think that's a smart move. But if Cooper Rush keeps winning, I know Prescott is the guy and he's making a lot more money, but wouldn't you want to stick with Cooper Rush as long as he keeps winning? No, you know, they're, they're going to face some opponents. You know, the schedule's kind of falling nice for them, you know, just who they've been able to play the last couple of weeks. But they're going to start to get into the thick of the season when they're playing teams that can actually score on the other side. And their defense has been fantastic. Uh, but we know we haven't seen Cooper Russ tested yet in a, a scenario where he's got to come back from 10 points or two touchdowns, you know, or, or you know, some sort of double-digit deficit. And I think that's where Dak Prescott wins. And so, you know, it's always one of these – it's, it's kind of like, you know, to go back to the 49ers. The 49ers got to the NFC Championship game last year, and they got to a situation where they needed their quarterback to make some plays and he just wasn't able to do so. And the hope would be that Trey Lance could make those plays. Dak Prescott makes those plays. Cooper Rush doesn't make those plays. And so um, the offense right now has been safe, secure. You know what you're getting from Cooper Rush. He's not going to make mistakes, uh, but they're not going to allow him to make mistakes. Dak Prescott will make some mistakes because he's going to take some chances. So you're not putting a $50 million quarterback on the bench. He's too good. And uh, when he's back, he's going to be their guy. Do you know the uh, contract situation for Cooper Rush? I'm going to guess he's got to be close to the minimum, if if, if not slightly above. It, it, it can't be a very big deal at all. But I'm wondering if he's is is, a, is, a, is he under contract for a few years for the guy? I just think that if he's a free agent next year, uh, that somebody would go out there and pay him some pretty good money, even if it was to be a backup. Well, I'll I'll say this: he he should be uh, definitely on NFL roster as as at least a backup. But you know, if you have a favorite team and you have a rival of that favorite team. You root for your favorite team, your favorite team's rival, to go pay big dollars for a quarterback like that. Because he's not. A, he's not a, you know, All right. Go back to last year and think about how people were saying that Tyler Huntley was better than Lamar Jackson because he made some of the similar plays. We get this all the time with backup quarterbacks. I guess I drank the Kool Aid. Okay, let's move on. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah, we'll talk about the Rams on the other side of that Niners game. Uh, Matthew Stafford, to use a fantasy stat, for the four games this year, has it been a QB 30, 10, 29, and 29? Is it the elbow surgery, the loss of Andrew Whitworth, or more? They have not really looked that good, especially on offense. I don't think the elbow's a problem. He seems to be throwing the ball fine. Uh, the offensive line is definitely a concern, and the weapons are a concern. You know, Cooper Cup is putting up still astronomical numbers, uh, You know, and I think the nice thing is, is that you've seen Tyler Higby play well. But they don't have a run game to support him right now. And then the second receiver who was supposed to be, you know, their big free agent acquisition, and Allen Robinson, he's just not separating and making plays. So they're not getting some help on the other side of the ball. He's had some bad luck. You know, I, I think if, if, if uh, Stafford hits, you know, a cup on one or two of the touchdowns that he could have had in the Cardinals game uh, two weeks ago, we're not so concerned about where Stafford's at from a production standpoint. But he's not passing the eyeball test. You know, so he's got two primetime games so far. He looked awful against Buffalo. He looked bad against San Francisco. Clearly those are two of the better defenses in the NFL. Uh, I think when they get Van Jefferson back, that will help. They'll get the offensive line a little bit more stable. You know, with some injured guys coming back, that'll help. Uh, but Stafford right now is not somebody you can start heading into that game against Dallas because of how the Cowboys defense is playing. Jamie Eisenberg joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline from CBS Sports here on ESPN Honolulu. I want to ask your thoughts about the end of the Baltimore-Buffalo game, at least with a couple of minutes left. It's 20-20. Baltimore has the ball, fourth and goal, I believe, on the one- or two-yard line, and John Harbaugh decided to go for a touchdown instead of the go-ahead field goal. He defended it. They didn't score. And then not only that, when Buffalo has the ball at the end, instead of letting them score with under two minutes left, they let them – they didn't let them, but they didn't uh, allow them to score a touchdown. 
touchdown, which means they ran down the clock to basically the last play of the game to get a game-winning field goal. Your thoughts on John Harbaugh and clock management? Well, I think first off, the, the situation where they threw the interception, um, you know, where Lamar mm. threw the interception, that's not what you're expecting. You're expecting a touchdown or an incomplete pass or, or, or you know, getting tackled where you're making the Bills go 99 yards. And, you know, you don't usually see a player like Lamar make that type of throw. Um, he got fooled in the coverage. Uh, Poyer did a great job. And so I think it's a different scenario when you're going 80 yards as opposed to 99 yards, especially when you're saving off a little bit of time there. So, you know, they just, just kind of, you know, unfortunate circumstances. I would have kicked. So I, I think he did make a mistake in trying to be aggressive and go for it. But also at that point, his defense was just struggling. On the other side, it looked like they were trying to let him score. 11 guys got the memo. The one guy that tackled him didn't. I think that led to the, the confrontation on the sidelines, you know, as, as players were kind of arguing and pointing fingers at each other. Right. So, um, you know, we may hear that story come out, but I think that was kind of what you saw unfold there. It looked as if everybody was trying to play the Ole defense and let them go in, and then the one guy, Skeeto, was, but, but made the stop, and then Marcus Peters sort of blew up, probably yelling at the guy, and then Harbaugh got into it with Peters. So I'm going to guess that's just how that all unfolded. I don't think Harbaugh was, was doing anything to try and, you know, uh, sabotage himself there by not, not trying to uh, let, let them score. That's really the only chance you have to win. And yet it's easy to say after the fact, as we all know. Jamie, always great talking the NFL with you. It's also great talking fantasy football. And I know we'll have you on the show hopefully in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. I, uh, Jamie Eisenberg uh, appears via the Aloha Kia hotline here. See you in a Kia. Uh, I, didn't get, I was going to ask him if Alvin, Alvin Kamara is going to start. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Aaron Judge is real close at his second at-bat, going for the American League record of 62 We'll get into it coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, we, we missed that. We missed that number in Tennessee. Uh, could you play that back? At, what was it? One eight hundred. All right. Hey, we got the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. So we. Invite you to listen to the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge of the White Camellia by Outrigger. Ask our weekly fantasy experts about advice on your team and your win memorabilia Wednesday, 8 a.m. on ESPN. On a little Barbie clothes sold separately, batteries not included. Member FDIC. <laughs> hey, it's the Rivals Fantasy Football Show. It's Wednesdays, 8 o'clock on ESPN Honolulu. You want to get better? You want to improve your team? Well, our very special guest will be. The Jeff, inv- he's like the inventor of fantasy yeah, football. Yes. Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Yes, he will give you any information that you require to help your team this weekend. He is that good. All right. Uh, now, Aaron Judge coming up for bat number two in this game. They're all tied up at two. Looking for home run number 62. Let's listen in. You know, the good thing is, uh, Gary, the good thing is the last two at bats. By the way, you can catch that game on CBS 1500. Okay, um, <laughs> you can start that game. Uh, you can listen to that game on CBS 1500. And uh, the good thing is the Texas Rangers are pitching to them, right? Their yeah. season is has been over for a while, but yet they're going out and playing baseball. i got to respect that. Right? I do, too. We don't want to hear. If he's not going to get the home, or at least he doesn't get walked intentionally. That would make it even worse. At least he's challenged. That's a good thing. Right. All right. Uh, be listening to uh, Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy and uh, Josh Pacheco on the afternoon at 3. They've got more Rainbow Wahine volleyball tickets for you to win. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, you'll find that on your radio dial on 
92.7 FM and 1420 AM.